Hello and welcome to the Gossip Stone podcast, where we cover the Ocarina of Time randomizer. We focus primarily on the racing competitive scene, as well as various other related topics for the community as a whole. Uh, today it's me doing the intro, it seems, just to spice things up. So I'm Chimpan Reeve, and alongside me, as always, is the magnificent Emo Soda. Say hello. Hello. Perfect. And we are joined today by our wonderful guest, Mr. Mario Seven C Seven Eighty Eight. Welcome back to the Gossip Stone Podcast. Hello, thank you guys for having me again. It's always a pleasure. It's always good to see you on the podcast and not in the race room. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot more chill environment. Uh, yeah, you could, you could say that. Well, for me, for sure. <laughs> I mean, for all parties involved, maybe, but. Um, yeah, so last scene on episode 20, uh, we were recapping the S4 qualifiers uh, with Mario. Uh, but now today, we're going to be talking about the season four grand finals game, too. Um, Chimp and I, of course, we commentated this one, uh, and we also had a live episode of the podcast. Uh, I think we'll probably put like a YouTube link in the description of this episode or. We could get the audio uh, version on the website, too. I have to bother Trez about that. But uh, regardless, uh, it's also in Twitch, uh, the VOD system there. You can check it out there. But uh, it was a lot of fun, I think. Right, Chip? Yeah, I had a great time. Um, I think everyone enjoyed it. There was a lot of uh, lot of people watching. And it was, yeah, really good time. A little nerve-wracking, but, um, you know... You can yeah. see my face, the chimp's face. I was um, going to say, it's, uh, when, when everything's fine and then Trez is like, hey, do you want to show, show face? And we're like, oh, oh boy, we added pressure. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> well, it's not like he's asking anything unreasonable. Like, no, I know. That's, no, that's fine. That's, that's fine. I'm messing. No, it would also be fine. really funny if we just had hand cams for it. <laughs> 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 Only hand cams. No face. Yeah, my hands just don't move or something in here. They're like a hand in it. That'd be so I mean, funny. to be fair, we, we are yet to have an emo sort of hand reveal. Mine have been wonderfully uh, paraded across the Challenge Cup bracket draws. So uh, everyone yes. knows what my hands look like. That is Love true. The bracket reveals. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, think about enough, about, enough about my hands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we'll also, in this episode, we're going to talk about what's going on in Ocarina of Time Randomizer. You know, we've, um, well, season four is done. That was the big thing, right? And it really hasn't taken that much time at all. It's the fastest tournament that we've ever had in the game. So uh, great milestone, I think, and a lot to look forward to. But we'll be covering that as well as what's happening now um, and uh, including... I think probably the, I would argue the main topic for this episode is going to be random setting, uh, season three, and it started already. I mean, it's we're we're like halfway into it, uh, more or less. So uh, we'll be covering that with Mario, and um, yeah, it should be a ton of fun. There's only a five percent chance we'll talk about one hit KO. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> well. I think it's a bit higher than 5% of that chance, but um, kind of to get into the grand finals game two here between what the hells, uh, it was a really hype match. Now, both what the hells and sponge, they've appeared on the podcast multiple times. uh, I think both twice. And here's what they had to say about their hopes in season four in episode 19. 
We asked what the hell is, what his goals were for season four. He said two things. Number one, his goal for quals was top, uh, top three. He got top one. And for brackets, all he had to do was, quote, not finish second and just get first. But of <laughs> course, that's insanely difficult to do. Man, well, that's a, that's a good mantra. I wish I could follow that mantra. Yeah, that's a good goal. I mean, it's definitely not, you won't be disappointed, right? If you, if you word it that way. So, uh, but in episode 23, we talked with Sponge about his predictions for the rest of the tournament prior to their match in winners finals. He discussed being a stubborn puppy quote, and he was looking to be the spoiler and pull off an upset against what the hells, which he did, um, for the first match, I think. Or... Yeah, I mean, he won winners finals. What the hells ignored his own advice and came second in winners finals. Oh, right. Um, this is prior to the winners' finals. Match. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he uh, he he broke what the hell's own promise to himself. But as we all know, he came back fine from the losers' bracket and won the first game of grand finals, which set up wonderfully into our grand finals game two. Which, as you mentioned earlier, we. Not only did a live podcast episode just beforehand to hype it up and build it up, but we commentated, of, of course, with the help of Yoshi Kyung. Um, and yeah, it was terrific, terrific match. Absolutely loved it. Now, to kind of briefly go over it, it was an adult start, stone start, Song of Time start is your free song from ZL. Uh, adult spawn was in Goron City from Lost Woods. So, like, it's pretty ideal, all things considered. Like, you can go. Well, you can't go into Lost Woods, I guess, but because you have those boulders in the way. But um, I mean, you can go to Goron City, you can go to Cac. I mean, once you have a way to get past the boulders, you can go to Lost Woods, Kakuri Forest. You can stay adult for quite a bit here. Um, so it's so pretty good. On the other side of the boulders, right? Oh, was it on the? Okay, Goron City from Lost Woods. Okay, right. So you'd run into the boulders. Well, anyway, that's that's arguably better because you can just go to Mitos, right? Go yeah. there and. Um, Go minuet and they just go child. But regardless, uh, Song of Time is not a good start <laughs> for sure. And Probably there was an one er- of the worst songs to start with. I still think it's Suns, but I'm <laughs> I think I'm alone. Uh, that. I don't understand how you say that Sun song is a bad song. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad song. I think it's the worst starting song. We could poll the entire community and it would be pretty much just you that says Point- Suns is the worst song. <laughs> yeah, point one percent of the poll. Here, sun song. Wow, that must be a maniac <laughs> saying that. I wonder now. Who. <laughs> well, I guess we have evidence now. But uh, there was an early bottle on Dampiris, which what the hell is used to push skulls for the thirty skull bomb bag? Um, he was able to get some out of the way skulls like the Valley Dirt Patch skull, but was up to ten skulls by the time he was done with Nightcat as child and Sponge had it seven at that point in time. Now. They both got a 10-pack of chews from the Valley Waterfall. Sponge was a little bit more careful, but Scumming was able to make the chews last until he got a bomb bag. What the Hells used some of the chews to get skulls, especially in DC. Sponge also used a chew to go to Ro- River Domain as child and got Iron Boots on the River Lower Heart piece, and a vanilla scale on Zora's diving game. Uh, the other scale was also vanilla on adult fishing. <laughs> and... <laughs> At that point, we were just like, oh, okay, is this a planned file? Like, uh, is this really the finals? Like, it's randomizer. It can happen. 
Was this? Um, sorry to interrupt. Was the, yeah. was it? Was it game two or was it game one that had all three elemental arrows back to back? I want to say it was this one because it was utterly ridiculous. Where were they? Well, it was fire arrows on Richard the dog. And then from then, I think it was what the hells went to do Talon's chickens, which was ice arrows. And then light arrows were in the back of the barn, like the stable. And I absolutely lost my mind. I think it was this one. It's probably this one. Yeah. Majora's Um, Mask. envious (laughs) (laughs) envious <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah that would be amazing in mm by the way i've uh recently gone to mmr so uh you know future episode coming soon uh, we could have a, like a crossover or something that'd be kind of cool it's not really ocarina of time related so i don't know yeah not quite yeah <laughs> their tournament really. is coming up soon so yeah definitely consider it but um so sponge had irons and hookshot and gold scale and he's able to check lab dive which had kakuri sword closed deku by the way still in season four here uh they both went to valley to get the two skulls as adult what the hell is at this point had 27 skulls and sponge had 24 what the hell is pushed skulls to get the bomb bag getting two more skulls from river plus the iron boots and picking up the last skull from kak and sponge instead continuing on to the desert crossing the wasteland to get the song which was bolero by that point it was possible to deduce that zl had to be either in Temple Time or on Burning Kakariko, which, by the way, I think it was locked behind Fire, DC, and Forest. So it was... Yeah, they they, st- they still needed the hammer at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sponge went back child. He picked up a bow on Skull Mask on the way to Stone Deku. He was at 28 skulls when he found another bomb bag on the Deku map chest, <laughs> which was hilarious. Classic. Yeah, he could have just straight gone Deku for like a value play but yeah it just kind of hurts to see that sometimes I, being two skulls under from picking the, up the bomb bag too it's like ugh, seed spitting in my face right yeah um it was like a 15 15 minute difference um for what the hell's picking up the 30 skull bomb bag so he was quite a bit behind what the hell's here um he was what the hell's was still adult. He used the bomb bag to finish DC, found magic on King Dodongo. So we went out to the desert. He was able to get the wasteland check, which was a strength. And then three minutes later, Sponge found a different strength on Bomb Chu Bowling. And he immediately used that strength to beat Forest Temple, found the third strength in the forest basement chest, which was Sponge's second. And the restream saw all three strengths in the course of 15 minutes. Can you believe it? Yeah, it was pretty crazy this because it was potentially in an absolutely enormous bailout for Sponge with that, with him already having crossed the desert to get uh, the song there and without magic that could have literally ended the seed then and there. So the fact that they happened to find two strengths and, you know, we don't know if the third strength was needed was an unbelievable bailout. (laughs) Yeah, you could say that (laughs) now. When Sponge went back to the desert clear at GTG, um, he found hovers in the GTG lobby and then Im- immediately bailed to go to Shadow up to the boat because he didn't have ZL. ZL locked so much that eventually, Sponge, he was down to one-off checks, so eventually he had to go back child for chess game, finding the hammer nearly an hour after What the Hells, 129 versus 223. And so by the time What the Hells found hovers in GTG and finished Shadow, 
and Sponge finished Fire and Shadow, both were heading out to Stone Sphere at the exact same time. And they were locked out, no keys on adult side, so they both went child, picked up two keys, and went back adult. And there was a boomerang on child spirit climb, which was go mode for both runners, Sponge at 253, and what the hell's one and a half minutes later. Sponge still had to beat Baron Water, while what the hell's could go straight to Jabu. So by the time that Sponge had finished Water, it was entering Jabu, what the hell's was on Baronade. So, I mean, it was a really close matchup pretty much the entire time. So yeah. there were a couple things that were like huge differences in terms of timing, but the overall routing was like pretty similar. I mean, their execution levels obviously very close. Um, and their understanding of logic, I think, is like pretty much on par with each, with, with each other. So it, it was going to be this close regardless, I think, based on how yeah. all the other matchups between them have gone uh, in the tournament. So, I mean, what the hell is he had a 3.11.06 and Sponge had a 3.15.36. So he had just entered Ganon's Castle and what the hell's finished. So it was honestly yeah, incredible that it was that close as well, considering how long it took Sponge to find the hammer after what the hell's, which locked again, which locks the L and just led to the rest of the seed. The fact that it ended four minutes within each other, it was crazy, you know. So props to Sponge for not only catching up, but making the most out of a difficult situation before getting that hammer. Um, but yeah, what the hell's played. I don't want to say perfectly. I don't think the seed was a seed that you could really play perfectly, but, you know, really, really well. Routed great. Um, the, the Wasteland strength was, again, a testament to the fact that they routed really well and managed to find that, whilst, whereas Sponge couldn't. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, as, as is quite common for seeds involving what the hell's happened, the routing that they chose over Sponge just happened to be slightly better. And uh, essentially... Was, was what won them the race. It's probably the best way to put it. A lot of small incremental advantages that don't necessarily seem super important on fit, like face value. So like I could see a bunch of players picking one or the other or something completely different. So it, it it's interesting definitely to see that in a race environment and definitely not as close as season three finals. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we will ever have a finals as close as that ever again. It was just like, it, uh, the fact that it wasn't just the one race either, it was both races, it's just, I don't think it's possible. It would be ridiculous if that was to happen. Yeah, the, like, comfort level with Marco and Bono, too, just... I think they knew each other even better than Sponge and what the hell, so... Mm. I mean, it, it'll get... It'll be really hard to just see a matchup like that again, uh, much less something as close. Now, what were your favorite moments? Did anything stick out to you guys from the t- the, this tournament? I mean, there was so much that went on during season four, like from start to finish, that it's hard not to have some some personal favorites. Um, one of my personal favorites was the the match involving I can't can't remember who it was, but there was a fifty skull mirror shield for hmm. Stone Spirit, and you know, uh, unhind- I think it was Saria's song on. Ocarina of Time, and the hammer was on Twin Rover, and like that, nothing was hitting towards that. Nothing was hitting towards all dungeons, but you know, you didn't think you had to do fifty skulls at all because you didn't need to do Stone Spirit. And lo and behold, <laughs> the hammer was just sat there on Twin Rover, and 
that was is ridiculous. Like, because you're thinking, okay, well, I've still got like 20 to 30 checks left. I'm on 30 skulls. We're not going to need that mirror shield. And there we go. Once you're out of checks, I think I remember fucked. that. <laughs> I, think, I think Mario remembers that, right? That was one of your matches, right? Was it? I don't think it was. No, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't remember think... having a 50 skulls dins. That was definitely required. But I don't think the mirror no, shield was I... mine. I can't I know remember it was, who it was against. It was definitely think, a French I wanna say, It was definitely I want to say rock. it was possibly Fanta versus Cariosa. Yeah, I think so. Or maybe Fanta versus Kazo. I think it was I think it involved Fanta tanks, but I know that was just, I think just was, outrageous. I think it was Zupal that didn't get it. Oh, that's yeah. why he lost. Yeah, no, yeah, I think you might be right. I think it was Fanta versus Zupal. Yeah. That yeah. was a <laughs> pretty hilarious but also heartbreaking to watch because i mean mm-hmm. it was what four times that he missed like because he fell down fell down again and then almost got in and fell down again and just like and then a fourth time he exited domain and just didn't read it just like oh, oh the say say match yeah that was was that the say say match too? yeah that was that was say say's first one of the very first matches was say say then skipped that hint multiple times yeah that was say say versus me Oh, okay. He skipped the fifty hint. Yeah, in, Zor- in Zora's River, the top hint. <laughs> he just kept failing the hover's entry and not reading the hint. Oh my god! And then went straight to the hint next to King Zora, just because why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I know the French restream had a very vocal reaction to that. Mm. They're they're ridding from the fall at one point. They're like, yeah, 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 because yeah, yeah. they wanted him to read the hint. <laughs> yeah, right. And then he did, but then he didn't read the hint. Yeah. That's how it goes sometimes. But Yeah. I like the inclusion of uh, the bunny hood speed up in this season. Uh, I guess that was a season, wasn't it? Yeah. It was only this season that it just started. Oh, I, I remember the, the test uh, season, right? Like the preseason testing. Yeah, that yeah. Was super hype. Cause we're, that was like, an open max shop. Open max shop, baby. <laughs> Everyone just rushed the bunny hood. <laughs> yeah, rush bunny hood in the first minute and then just laugh your way to sub two. Yeah, I mean, it's good, but it's like, I don't know. With, with open mask, it's a little ridiculous. I kind of agree. I think we yeah, had like I a mean, really nice balance with season four. Just like, yeah. you have to do a little bit of work to get there because otherwise it's just kind of stupid. Yeah, I think we only saw it like I want to say four or five times throughout the tournament, which most of them were PKR. I know PKR <laughs> was a big fan of the Bunny Hood, but I think we saw it a couple of more times. I know I um, did in my first match. Yeah. So um, it, you know, I think the fact that we only saw it a few times means that we probably balanced it correctly. You know, if it right. was if it was super overpowered, then everyone would get it every time. If it was super useless, no one would get it. So the fact that it was a bit of a rare treat, if you will. Um, meant that it was, yeah, I'd say it was somewhat balanced. And even if you had to go out of your way a bit to get it, and let's say one or two of those decisions were slightly meme worthy, um, you know, it's it's it was there to get. Some people chose to get it, and yeah, save a little bit of time routing and running around Jabu. Yeah, it's definitely an audience favorite, to say the least. Um, I think the season overall just really. It had way fewer upsets than season three and two, from what I can remember. Like just looking at the tournament page, like 
all the matchups are pretty similarly like ranked people going against each other after you get like the first and second round. It's just a bunch of like, yeah, the first through 10th seeds are in here and 20th seed is in here and maybe like a sprinkling of other people. But like, I think competitively, this is probably one of the better seasons uh, just Ooh. as like a tournament overall. Tell, uh, I guess tell that to Benuru. I mean, who, uh, absolutely got dunked no. out of the tournament, essentially. Which was yeah. surprising everyone. I, I don't think there was well, a I mean, single person that would have seen Bono essentially go... Did they win the first round and then just went 0-2 the next few matches, I think? No, they won against G-Skate. They won against yeah. Dylan Meeble. And then they lost against FMZ. FMZ is really good, by the way. Uh, I think they. I, don't, I think their seating is a little bit low. What, what was that, Murray? He's a keyboard warrior. Yeah. Oh, he's the keyboard Doing king, I pixel think. Pixel shot on keyboard. Insane. Yeah. Pixel shot on the keyboard is absolutely outrageous. <laughs> or like, like, just the big poe check. Like, how do you do that? I don't... It's so hard to aim. I was warming right. up to the idea of using keyboard, and then someone told me you can't spin slash, and I was like, don't forget it. <laughs> it's deal breaker. It's just those little things that... Yeah you take for granted on a controller you can't do on a keyboard and you're like how do you ever use this competitively i would just be yeah, like he makes it work i would be kind of scared of my wrists like i'd have to have a really comfortable yeah. keyboard setup like one of those like ergonomic keyboards that are like not necessarily like a square right like kind of like have you right. seen those where they're like kind of slanty yeah, yeah i know what you mean yeah, I, I would want like something like that, but like mechanical too. Like you have to have a really specific setup, I think, for it to really be effective. But I mean, we've seen people play on, I mean, pretty much everything you can think of, and have it work. I mean, I think the only thing we haven't really seen competitively is like DDR dance pad, uh, bong DK bongos. DK bongos. Yeah, Give it time. yeah. Give it time. I want to see that, but oh, man, I don't know if we're gonna ever gonna see that in like a tournament. <laughs> Part of me imagine. thinks, um, I, I'm not sure if this directly translates, but can you imagine FMZ on a controller? The fact that they got so high up up and just on a keyboard, can you imagine them with an actual controller? Well, they're yeah. playing worse for a while, right? Like, it's just because it's not what they're used to. But like, if they warmed up to a controller, I don't know. Like, I could see them playing better. I could see them not even like coming up to where they are with keyboard even though too i mean if you're playing that long with keyboard setup or just any setup in general even mm -hmm. from like emulator versus vc for, as an example like it takes time to switch between the two mm. oh so, yeah i do not recommend switching to vc right before your bracket matches start yeah. <laughs> from personal experience <laughs> did you do that this tournament that was majora's mask the, um ah yeah <laughs> Yeah, not the same idea. Same idea, but like, yeah, but like, imagine someone using the DK bongos and using the clap sensor, like clapping the spin <laughs> slash or something. Like, oh, that'd be terrific! Oh my god! Imagine clapping to stab Ganon in the head to finish off the seed. <laughs> just a massive. I won't do it because Ronan will think I want to cut the footage. Oh, but just a massive clap, <laughs> and then that's it. Seed over. That would be the Actually best only ever. Clapping Ganon's cheeks. Man. Oh, beautiful! Later. I do have a set of, of of bongos. Maybe, maybe in the future. Yeah, I can't really think of like a favorite moment from the tournament, other than the live podcast. I think it was probably the coolest part for me. Um, and then just 
commentating the finals with, with champ is uh, it's a real treat and yoshi as well um but there were some also memorable seeds like qual number eight there were fire arrows on chickens and long shot on shadow trial two mm-hmm. um Marco mm-hmm. versus Gabaroni, which was that uh, was in Majestic. round one, round one, and AD for Sun Song was Strength Three and Sun's Grave. Yeah, it was, it was literally yeah. the Felixoid seed, and it was perfect. <laughs> Everything about it was perfect. Yeah, the yeah. very first, I think, test race, right? Like with the official settings, was yeah. Sun Song, Sun Song on OOT. Or Sun's Grave, which had <laughs> something. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, just, oh my god, Necro versus Sponge. Uh, this was ooh, that was also round one, and Strength Two required was required for an item on the left side of the Goron City Maze. Don't often see like a hard lock for that. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty. It it doesn't come up often at all. <laughs> Saria's Object versus Wooden Barrel. Um, this was... Uh, which round was this from? I want to say round... I think that was, I round, think that was round one, two. Yeah. Round two losers. And... Weigh the Hero Bottle and Wallets to buy Blue Fire for Bomb Bag on King Zora. Oh, yeah. Pretty that spicy. seed was just something else. <laughs> the, the whole, whole thing was like... <laughs> If you could display like circus music throughout that entire race, <laughs> thematically perfect. Yeah, it was janky seed for sure. Um, oh. Kevin versus Phoenix Feather, and ZL was not logically required to beat the seed. Uh, pretty, pretty much a giant meme, but I mean it can happen. You just don't need shadow. Don't need a couple other things have to line up. You have to have the the correct dungeons, the correct item placements, but uh, pretty rare. Mm-hmm. And there are also some, some close races as well in the tournament. Uh, Phantom versus Sanzo was six second oh, difference. That race broke my heart. Close. Yeah. That was when Sanzo failed Morpho. Oh, the Morpho, right? Yeah. Oh, oh that man. Legitimately broke me inside. Oh my god! Watching that, was that hard happen. to watch. <laughs> I've never, I've never felt so bad for someone in my entire life than when Sanzo failed Morpha twice in a row. I was like, "Oh no, it's over! How has this happened?" It's like such a medium thing to fail, too, right? Like not yes. something you would expect to fail, not something you would expect to end your tournament life. But yeah, yeah. Sanzo, Sanzo could do Morpha a hundred more times after that and not fail it as bad as they did. Like it was just a so Probably, rare. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Bono versus Felix. That was a twenty-seven second difference in Felix's favor. I, I'm pretty sure that's yep. uh, he knocked Bono out. Yeah, yep. sent Bono down to losers. Round one. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's definitely a memorable part. Um, just man, yeah, with Bono winning the last tournament, I mean, all eyes are on him. It's the same thing as season three when when Marco uh, won season two and. I mean, to a bigger degree, ATZ when he um, won round one or uh, season one too. So, so I think all, all eyes are going to be on what the hell is for the next season for sure. And I mean, we've never had a consecutively winning player for every tournament, which is amazing to see. So yeah, I'm happy with that. I'd like that to continue. Yeah. Now, and 
I have to mention it. Phoenix Feather versus Mr. Mario, 92 seconds. That was the, uh, I think, the last closest finish, and everything else was like a couple minutes apart. That was certainly nerve-wracking for me, because I knew how close that race was going to be. Yeah, it was in your favor. But <laughs> um, Some interesting things on stream. Uh, Vodzilla dying on the blue warp and fire, but still warped, I think. Oh, yeah, he did a little spin thing. Yeah, he did <laughs> spinning. He was spinning like horizontally right when he's yeah like dead, but he didn't die <laughs> like it somehow was weird. It was yeah weird. it was really weird um i have noted here anyone who got bunny hood <laughs> that's i mean we've already covered that but um oh yeah we have to mention the we love waterstone in all caps right love it oh yeah that was, I, I think, the biggest meme that came from season four. Yeah, anyone who knows me knows that I i don't really like memes. I don't gel with memes. But my God, we love Waterstone was fantastic. Fucking <laughs> loved it. Because it was just so true. Like, how many seeds just had something in stone water? It was ridiculous. Absolutely loved Dark it. Dark Link, even. Yep. Th- hovers at least three times on Dark Link. Fucking outrageous. Absolutely. What my favorite meme of all time. Magnificent. Well, it's it's good. I mean, I think like the vast majority of our like randomizer memes are not super engaging. This is engaging because it's content yeah. focused, right? Like, yeah, it's smart. It's like saying something. It's not. Oh, it's this unique item that doesn't matter. Who like woo? <laughs> it has no impact, so no one cares. So I guess I'd relate this to how. In season three, there was only one qualifier with a medallion fire temple. I think this is oh, yeah. probably I'd relate it to that. <laughs> yeah, we barely had any jet seeds this whole tournament. Um, even in qualifiers, you were like one I don't or think two, like one or two, maybe. There's one that was two. definitely sub two. Yeah, yeah. there was one yeah. crazy. I think crazy that was all six or something. It was in the first half because I think I like know because I played it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, unfortunately, but there's also kind of like a a weird side note. It's like I think half the tournament field didn't qualify until they played the second half of qualifiers. So it's definitely like I think still a legitimate strategy to try to get to top 32 if you know if you have a chance. You just don't play the first half ever of the qualifiers, but like it's also really risky to do that. Because yeah. there, there are a lot of players that are just going to play every single one anyway. So the the number of like actual competitive edges you gain is like pretty negligible and kind of random. But I don't know. It, people keep doing it, so I think it's I think it might be legitimate. And also uh, bingo cards for the grand finals that was uh, introduced. I think a lot of people liked it. I think it was a pretty cool innovation. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it was spiced things up. Um, and again, it was all about the engagement. Um, and I, I thought, who was it that was doing the cards? I want to say Mathematt was was who um, who made the the bingo cards. But yeah, it was just loads more engagement, and it just meant that people were saying a lot more in chat, and people were a lot more hype when certain things happened. Us as commentators, obviously, when. I think you know I had my own bingo card going into the grand finals, and it just meant that I could play on the um, the people in chat more. And yeah, it was really fun. Uh, you know, it was something that sort of came from left field. P- 
people jumped on and just really enjoyed. So yeah, I mean, why not just have that going forwards? It's yeah, good laugh. Yeah, how could I forget bingo cards? I cheated you out and then cheated to get mine before. Yeah, you bastard. <laughs> I specifically was trying not to cheat and get my own bingo line. And then you're just like, all right, well, fuck that. I'm just going to do it anyway. <laughs> oh, no, I, I went something like, no, Chad, I'm not saying it. I'm not, say, I'm not saying titties. <laughs> and that was the last square. <laughs> Uh, for double defense, which is a nickname being thrown around for it. And by the way, can we just like shit on nicknames for like a couple of seconds? I hate nicknames and, and randomizer. I don't know about you guys. Just depends what it is. Like I find, you know, and I know people enjoy them. I find titties really tasteless. Um, <laughs> and I, that's a weird, that. that is the weirdest sentence. One of the weirdest sentences I've ever said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I quote you on that. <laughs> Just make that the, the the quote of the the episode, I guess. Um, naked child wasteland last time, so oh, taste is good this time. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I just I just find the the concept of it just quite tasteless, and I genuinely dislike saying it. It just feels weird. Um, but yeah, that's that's just my thought. I don't mind certain nicknames, but most of them I'm just like meh. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to call the chest behind Dead Hands Steve, no matter how much you pay me. It's just, it's not. Ever oh, I will call thing. him Steve 100% of the time. Steve oh. is my boy. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, well, <laughs> we invited the wrong guest for this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> it's innocuous. I don't care about that one. But, like, if you, like, abbreviate every location, because, like, again, I'm getting into MMR, right? And, trying to wade through the discord channels for that and the results channels like uh hieroglyphics basically i'm just like uh the dmt and the ingf and the and then i was go mode after um axqz i'm just like the fuck where <laughs> huh like, i mean you're just in the mind of a brand new ot player right now that looking exactly. at the, our ot exactly. results with all and, the acronyms we use right yeah i mean yeah. I guess yeah, like nicknames and acronyms are slightly different. Yeah, uh, you know, you I can't and would never expect anyone in the community to not use acronyms. You know, Just we says, we can't we can't say trail every single time. Yeah, exactly. Oh no, you've got to call it Gerudo Training Grounds. Like it would just it just it's yeah. GTG because that's just the acronym for that place. But I I completely understand when people don't explain it. That's why you know I think it's. If someone's watching a stream and everyone will help and explain what those acronyms mean and stuff, it does make it a little less accessible if you're listening and not wanting to ask questions and be like, oh, I don't want to make myself sound dumb and ask what this acronym means. Um, but, you know, there's a big difference between shortening things up, such as an acronym, and then just giving something a bad nickname. Yeah, like if you have to explain it, I feel like it's a bad nickname. Right, I feel like, like there is a list of acronyms somewhere too. Possibly, it might even have its own chat command at this point. Possibly, I'm not sure, but yeah, just like, just I feel like just that like whole like mind the whole mindset is just different. So like, I don't know for for new players especially, it's kind of kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah, I think the I think the best example of that I have is when. People call the uh, crate on the graveyard the TARDIS, oh, and yeah. that's the the one that comes up the most in chat in when on a restream. What's the TARDIS? And then it, you just need like 
a lengthy explanation of what it is. And I think that is definitely the one that I see the most. And it's just not useful. Like, I understand calling it that. I understand the, the callback and the throw. And it is, you know, it is, it can be funny. But yeah, if you're, I'd say if you're a commentator, you need to be really wary of constantly using nicknames. People are in chat and saying it, no problem, you know, because ultimately people are going to be listening to the the audio of a restream faster than they're going to be listening. Sorry, not faster. More than <laughs> they're going to be paying attention to chat. Um, right. So, you know, as long as the commentary team do their best to stay away from calling th- things like that, uh, not the proper names, or at least explaining it immediately instead of waiting for someone to ask the question, you know, I, I, you know that's that would be my advice to commentators anyway but yeah i totally agree with you there um now just kind of like big picture here i know we've talked about it before on previous episodes but what do you think worked well settings wise and tournament organization wise in this tournament and and what would you kind of want to see carried forward into future tournaments Hmm. i guess i'll I'll, something I'd, i'd like to ask you uh mario is what did you think to the new um, social, essentially the scheduling structure. Like, did you think that was a big benefit to everyone? Oh yeah, for sure. I loved how fast the tournament was actually moving along compared to season three. Like, there definitely needs to be more scheduling, con- like restraints and con- and uh, restrictions in the future, so that these tournaments can actually keep moving. You know. Mm. Especially so for like double elimination tournaments, like it's it's really important that you keep it moving because so, so many more matches than like Challenge Cup, for instance, that like blew up way past us. Like it's done already, right? Like it's we didn't get to yeah, cover they... any of it. Yeah, I mean, like there's also the the thinking about momentum. Like if if something goes on for as long as season three did. And I'm not going to say that Marco versus Bono didn't have momentum. You know, there was so much hype around that last match. But when there's such a big gap between the start of brackets and the end of brackets, there will be people that just don't pay any more attention or forget that it's even happening. So I'd say, like, keeping things as as concise and as, as short a period as possible helped people just tick along, they'll keep watching those matches, they'll keep paying attention, so that the end of the season can be as hype as possible. There will be people that stop you know, stop watching just due to time constraints, and you know, matches are four hours long, so it is an investment. But if you want you know, the community to pay as much attention as possible to it, it needs to be as short as possible, because people just will stop caring. Yeah, I think what the biggest thing with scheduling is having all the like competitive players, anybody that's qualified and said yes to joining the actual bracket, right? They have to all be willing and ready to be like, you know, they're going to throw down pretty much as soon as they can reasonably within their own schedules. So like, yeah. you don't have like, I don't know, half the competitors or or one or two that are just kind of like dragging their feet the whole time and Oh, they haven't. They're still in winners bracket. Like this tournament's going to yeah. go on for a couple more months, uh, just because of that. So, I mean, I think everyone is on the same page, um, and there was kind of like a, a shared like understanding, as far as I could tell. I mean, I couldn't really see scheduling, but um, just kind of from like an outsider's pr- perspective. Yeah, I think it went well, and you know, not to toot my own horn, 
Um, but I think that's something that the next team needs to pick up off this team in terms of just keeping that going. And yeah, season five absolutely should have essentially the same constraints. I, I don't think it needs changing. I think what was there was really good. And as long as that continues, that would, you know, I think that'd be a benefit to everyone. Definitely. And do you think anything could be changed or improved um, for the future for other tournaments? Maybe not even season five, but um, maybe side tournaments or ones that haven't even been thought up of yet? Well, you know me, and if you're talking about side tournaments, I would love to see a spoiler log tournament. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me, but no. With regards to actual improvements on Season 5, I don't really know. I, I can't really think of anything that would be an improvement other than maybe modifying the settings a little bit. Uh, yeah, I could I could get behind that. Um, as far as for me, I think for round round one especially, I don't think like a guaranteed restream should be a thing uh, for the next tournament. I think that would actually make it a lot easier on all the volunteers, um, kind of on that side of things. Um, if there's any other tournaments also happening at the same time, depends on how large they are, right? Um, but it's. At certain points, I'm not sure in season four whether it was the case, but I know for past tournaments, um, it definitely was kind of an issue uh, when the player base was smaller, the volunteer pool was smaller. That if you have a 32 person double elimination tournament, that's a lot of matches to cover. And if they're mm -hmm. all restreamed, that's a huge draw on resources. And I, I think that's like probably the next thing to consider is maybe not every single match should be restreamed. Yeah, there was significant burnout. Um, I'd say f more from the commentary side than the tracking side. You know, yeah. it, ultimately tracking doesn't involve too much. Um, but you know, commentating in a race is is tiring. You know, I know after the grand finals, um, obviously we had the the podcast before it, but after the grand finals, I was absolutely exhausted. I'd been talking for like the best part of six hours. <laughs> um, and I was like, man, I'm glad I don't have to do this for a, a while. And I can't even imagine the idea of doing that and then potentially doing a match the day after or the day after that. And um, I guess a, a, in particular, a shout out to Spell, who I think commentated half of the first half of the matches, if that makes sense. Like they were just everywhere. And, you know, and there was... And there was up, and yeah, and weeklies. And so... I think they yeah, burned themselves was, out a little bit. Yeah, I think there was some there was some burnout. Um, it's 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 expected to a degree, which is bad. You know, it's, we shouldn't expect burnout because we should. There should be things in place for that to not happen. And I think the the only thing potentially, as you say, that might make sure that doesn't happen is a more selective restream for the first round. You know, as I don't, I think everyone should get a restream if possible because yeah. ultimately they've worked really hard to get into the bracket. And I think not having a restream of your first match is a bit unfortunate and would be quite harsh. But you, you know, you do have to also think about the uh, the commentary team and the volunteers team. I I'm not sure how you two would feel about this, but in the past, I thought. Um, not even having 
like if let's say the commentary pool is like genuinely exhausted, just don't have commentators. Just restream the race. Like, does it just does it specifically need commentary, or is just having a place for it to be shown, you know, good? You know, it, it, sure, it would be better with commentators, but right. if there's just the race, you know, the two races side by side on stream, is that you know would that still suffice? I'm not sure how you two would feel about that. I'm honestly <clears throat> someone who would back up that idea because. Um... This really goes back to um, RSL season one, where we started with the whole uh, talking in a chat channel in Discord while the two people in the brackets were racing because there was mm -hmm. no restream going on. And that was a hell of a fun time, even if there weren't any commentators at all. So I would see just a restream with no comms being well-received. Of course, it wouldn't be as well-received as one with commentary, but it would still be something to show, Ray. Yeah. It'd be more I think, for, sorry, go on, Ema. It'd be more for like community community members that are already like kind of invested. It, it doesn't really draw new people per se, which is like one of the only drawbacks to that. There's no engagement with chat, which is like sure. kind of something that you were talking about, Chimp, and something that's kind of is really honestly good for the community. But um, like I agree with Mario. Like I was at work most of the time for RSL because, of course, they schedule during the daytime, anti-emo <laughs> o'clock. Um, so I was at work, so like maybe I don't, I can't watch it per se, but yeah, I, I had my phone up the whole time. I was like, oh shit, oh my god, like <laughs> this happened? No way. You're going so, through like, the whole log of what happened during the race if you couldn't catch yeah, like, it live. If you were sleeping fun. and you just wake up, it's Christmas morning every day. Oh, a thousand new messages. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I, I think there could be a lot of. There could be a lot of potential there, I think. And I love Twitch. Twitch is great. Um, don't revoke my affiliate for saying this, but um, <laughs> like, if you try and watch on any third-party streaming platform now, it's like I think the past six months they've started doing this. The purple uh, screen, yeah, purple, purple screen, screen of death. death. Yeah, that just kind of pops up randomly for quote-unquote 30 seconds, but then the timer resets, right? So it could be as many as like five minutes where you don't see the maybe one or both players, and it happens yeah. randomly. Um, so you would have to open both streams at once, which might not be possible on a phone, for instance. So you're only watching one half of yeah. it's not restreamed. So I think that actually has a big impact on that. I think that's another reason why that could be a thing. But we'll see. We'll see if anything on that picks picks up any traction. I don't think anyone's ever discussed it. I think it was just something I I, I was literally thinking about the other day. I was like, wait, we don't need commentators sometimes. Um, so you, but you, you I could know. do that for losers bracket round one because that's like if you restream every single winner, like round one, actual round one match, and then maybe round ones through two loser bracket, you don't you just kind of pass up on right. I think that could be an option. Maybe, yeah. I mean, the Who biggest to think about for sure. Yeah, I think okay. the biggest the biggest issue with that, and I I don't want to sort of go on too long about this, is that and in, if you think in particular about the first two rounds, and this is more for round two than anything. In round two, every single player is still in the tournament because obviously you've either won or lost your first match, and then you go down to losers. 
And round one all happens sort of at once, you know, with, with the structured scheduling, you know, you've got essentially 14 days and all of those matches will happen in 14 days. Quite a wild ride, but somewhat manageable. You know, there's going to be a lot of races in these two weeks, but then as soon as those matches end, there is no like, oh, the ne- the others are going to be in the next 14 days. Because as soon as one match, is, let's say the first match finishes on the first day and their opponent knows that who they're going up against the day after, they might also plan their loser's bracket in, the, in that first 14 days. So it just ramps up and up and up. And you can get like a period of a week or two weeks where there's like 20 to 25 matches which is just insane. Like, and it calms down a lot after losers round one because you've essentially lost eight players and the matches start to go down at that point. But yeah, just the, that first two to three weeks is where it hurts the most, I'd say, in terms of resources. It's great and bad at the same time. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, like, there was never not Zelda to watch. That's for sure. There was a not. A, I don't oh, yeah. think there was a single point in time where I was sitting there on an evening and didn't have some Zelda to watch because it was always on. But damn, was it like so much? <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Now, as far as looking forward here, season five, season five. Oof. Um. When do you think it's going to be? Number. <laughs> it's more than four. <laughs> um, I can see it being around the same time, honestly. And I know that this season went quite quickly. Um, and you know, I don't. I, th- I think it started a little bit late, but also finished a little early again due to the scheduling. Right. Um, but right now, I know that there's no work going into season five planning. But you know, we've, we're only a month out of season four, which is completely yeah, understandable. Not that you know, not that there should be. Yeah, I, I'm, I, it makes perfect sense that there's no like season five committee already because it's it's just a bit too early. Give um, it to the side periods for now. Yeah. Oh yeah. And but I yeah I can imagine it being around the same time. I'd imagine there will be news as of September and then maybe an October. Like if we're gonna go a little early, maybe like an October to November start this time instead of a November to December start. Um, but it kind of just depends on settings. I don't think. I think the season should start when there is a good, you know, when the settings are in a good place, not on an arbitrary date and locking in whatever settings make sense. Because um, I think once, um, and I know they're sort of somewhat being tested at the moment, maybe not as fast as they could be, but, you know, we are, there is some messing around with the settings for the weeklies and, I, I hopefully there'll be some more coming up. And once once people are happy with, the new weekly sayings are like, yeah, this feels competitive and solves a few of the problems that S4 had. That at that point, you can start thinking about season five, but not until there is a new popular um competitive set of sayings that's in the cycle. Yeah, I definitely agree there. I think it's gonna come out of the weekly settings for the most part. It's kind of how all the other tournaments have basically spawned out of existence and yeah, there'll probably be a tournament team that like pretty much acts as an advisory board. There'll probably be a poll of some sort at some point. Um, main reason I'm asking is because I have a running bet with someone. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, this is a Zopar. And, well, that one. I just gave uh, inside knowledge for a bet. 
What's happening? <laughs> oh, we already made it. We made it when I think the brackets for S4 were finalized. I was like, yo, season five is not happening before this. You, you know that, right? I, I don't know how the conversation came about, but I basically said that to him, right? And he was like, I know you're crazy. I'm like, okay, let's make it a bet. And the loser has to do an all sanity, and the other person berates them on call during the entire scene. <laughs> Okay, so Zopa thinks that season five is happening before RSL season three brackets. Uh, yeah, I said August one of this year. If it happens before, uh, he wins. If oh, there's no way. After then, I win, baby. Zero percent <laughs> season five happens before August. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, absolutely zero percent. Just uh, just a footnote there, but. Wonderful um, free bet you got there. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> uh, do you, who do you think is gonna be a top thirty-two for this next season? I think it's gonna be oh. settings dependent in some regard, but like I think, I don't know. There, you could you could make a case for pretty much anyone in the S four, anyone not outside of it. I mean, yeah. I I don't even know where, how you'd possibly start this discussion at this stage. Honestly, like, yeah, uh, as yeah, as as, as we see. Sorry, Mario, go on. I was just saying, I think it's way too early to even think about who's going to be top 32. There's just so many players that are coming in doing weeklies week after week and getting high placements now. And yeah. there's just even more people coming to raise the bar. And there's also players that just aren't going to be around for season five, you know? So right. it's like you don't know who's going to drop off between you know now and then. You don't know who's going to have appeared between now and then are we going to see you know a, a brand new runner for the for, you know season five title or is it just going to be the same bunch of uh competitive runners that we have currently so yeah I, it's a very difficult question and i've not paid any particular attention to new names coming up i've not really been involved in a lot of the weekly since season four ended um so yeah i honestly don't know it'll be you know we'll see some some faces that would like on the cutoff from the um, top 32 this season. You know, I want to say that Cola will move forwards from their uh, Challenge Cup win and head into the top 32 and do well, much like PKR did last season. Um, but yeah, who knows, honestly. It's just so hard to tell. Yeah, now, speaking of Challenge Cup, <laughs> it's yeah. done. It's finished. It's wrapped up. Um, the finals, the grand finals was uh cola, just cola, not I cola, just cola, uh, versus Spike Vegeta. I mean, I, both of these players had a real shot at making top 32 in season four. It was really down to uh, I want to say qualifier 13 or 14 for Spike, and he was in the top 32 for probably half the qualifier season, and then he just kind of got knocked out, yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. And then Cola, well, he had some I, really, really bad qualifiers in the first yeah, half. I, I don't think Cola would berate me for saying that they underperformed, um, which is a shame because once they'd done their first eight races, I think the next qual they won. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, was, it was really doing, for him. It was by doing Treasure Test game, too. Yeah, the Cola way. It was, <laughs> Unbelievably difficult, but yeah, I think they underperformed. So the fact that they won the Challenge Cup does not surprise me in the slightest. I think 
Kohler was, for me, the best runner in the Challenge Cup, and I saw no one but them winning, especially when it got to the best-of-three format from the semis. I just couldn't see Kohler losing at that stage. And, you know, shout-outs to some of the runners that got close. You know, you've got people like Tenth Doctor, who wasn't much part of um, Season 4 going into it, but then appeared and made a really good run in the Challenge Cup against people like Spike. Um Gogeta, who made a really good run up to the semis, Zef, who made a great run too, and you know a whole host of names that put in a really strong showing for the Challenge Cup, and hopefully we'll see them all in season five. Yeah, really, really happy for my former rival there, doing pretty well there. Yeah, Zef done a great job. Uh, the Blitz tournament, it was so fast; <laughs> it started and completed since the last episode. Uh, the calls. <laughs> Well, he has here on the the note sheet quals. It was just one race that was the qualifier because the the idea behind the blitz tournaments. There's a whole Discord server for it. Check it out uh, if you're interested. Um, I participated in it. It was a lot of fun. I just joined for fun. It was on April 18th, one qualifier race, and lo and behold, I made it <laughs> to the to the bracket phase. But I got knocked out the very first round because it was the day after my first, my second COVID shot. And um, oh. that was a really bad idea <laughs> overall. <laughs> so bad. Um, yeah, I heard that isn't, that isn't good. <laughs> yeah, it's a little rough. But um, yeah, it, it was from April 18th to the, to the 25th. That's when the finals were. Uh, all in one week. And Vodzilla, fellow DGEN competitor, um, yes. just... Night Racer, um, you know, he's someone that I see a lot in RSL, and we'll we'll be talking about that in a little bit. But um, huge, hugely well. I mean, yeah, huge win to Vodzilla. Like there were some big names in that Blitz tournament, and the fact that Vodzilla won is a, you know a genuine surprise. But absolutely credit to them. Yeah, beat Cariosa, beat a lot of different really strong competitors. So uh, hats off to him. Um, and I think there's going to be really, it's going to be cool just seeing these blitz tournaments happen in the future too. I don't think that's the only. It's not going to be like a one-off thing, right? I think there's nah, going to keep happening. Definitely not. Yeah, it was it was really popular. I got a lot of traction, and I don't see why that wouldn't happen. I had like more. eighty people in one race for the qualifier yeah. or something like that. Like it was huge. And uh, not, you know, we don't want to not mention multi worlds, right? Uh, we know oh, season yeah. one. <laughs> Lasted over a year or something like that, and no, crazy, crazy. decade. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, well, season two has begun, and I, I think they made a lot of great changes for the scheduling and how that's um, kind of going. The biggest thing, the biggest change between the tournaments, uh, season one and two, is now it's a Swiss tournament versus just a straight up bracket tournament. A couple different reasons that they're doing this. Uh, number one. Everyone gets to play way more, way more matches with their team. So, you know, you get to build up that team dynamic. You get to have competitive matches in a multi-world setting for more than two matches if it's just a double elim, right? Um, I think that's good for everyone involved. And number two, uh, Swiss is a really cool way to run tournaments. Um, it's kind of like, for me, coming from Magic the Gathering, right, for tournaments for that, Almost always Swiss, almost never brackets, unless you make a top eight or something like that. And mm -hmm. same thing for this. Um, 
you know, uh, my team, uh, we lost our first round. So we're going to have a tough time making up to the uh, the bracket phase. But we have a shot. We have a shot. And Mario, I think your team crushed your first match. And you crushed the qualifier, to be honest. You could say that, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, Team Richard the dog, they're still a thing. Um, So that's a little scary. But outside of that... Um, I, I think this is going to be really cool in terms of how it's going to play out. And I think it's going to be a lot. I think the scheduling is a lot uh, stricter this time, too. So, yeah, um, it, it should go way faster. Yeah, it's still going to be a couple months at the very minimum. But, you know, that's a huge improvement on last time. <laughs> and uh, also I want to mention uh, the league, the official league for the Ocarina of Time randomizer server. Signups closed today, so if you're hearing this, uh, unfortunately for you, it's too late, but it was advertised this past weekend on both weeklies, so hopefully you heard it if you didn't read it in the Discord, but uh, that's being organized primarily by Yoshi Kion, but also a couple other different people, and um, no, I, I was in both the test uh, runs for the league, this specific league system, and I had a great time. Uh, the settings are pretty much weekly settings, but couple different things uh changed for it i think the spawns are vanilla and almost all the tricks are turned off so yeah that way for logic shenanigans yeah yeah (laughs) we're the hero hookshot for man on roof baby let's go hell yeah we're the hero song of time to get the item in the windmill (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah, a bunch of like corner cases like that. And I think that's actually a healthy thing to kind of try out. And I thought it was, I was a pretty much a huge skeptic on this too when I first saw it in like the first uh, test season. And, but I don't know, just playing it out, it didn't feel that much different. If you understand the logic really well, it's, you can get trolled pretty hard by it. But I mean, at the same time, you can also just make a good play like, oh, I'm going to go to GTG if I'm missing a lot of items or um, I'm going to go this area over that because it's denser. Like, it's still a thing. You can still just play the randomizer straight up and ignore some things. But um, you can also have trolley instances like for Hookshot and Man on Roof, too. So, uh, But really, what it does is it opens it up to a wider range of play levels. So... You're playing on the same settings no matter what division you place it into, whether you're in Division 1 or Division 69. You're still playing the same thing. You can still have the same discussions. And you can have, like, for instance, you can have better players in your chat while you're playing a seed. They can look at you play, and then after you're done, obviously they can discuss it with you or in Discord or through DMs, whatever. Um, And kind of like your play style, your play decisions, they can talk you through it because that they're playing the exact same thing. So I, I think it's a really cool thing to have. Also happening, there's a lot of things happening right now in the community. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, oh, yeah. DDR Season 1. Uh, not the dance game. The rule set DDR, which... <laughs> um, it's not standard, which is what you see on weekly settings, what you see on all the big tournaments. Um, it's like glitch adjacent it's i don't know can you explain it better mario (laughs) yeah so ddr stands for dungeon door requirement so basically you have to have the necessary items to glitchously enter every dungeon and enter every boss door 
other than that, most glitches are allowed other than, um, you know, RBA, GIM, SRM, ACE, and uh, hovering. But other than that, most glitches are allowed. So stuff like ISG, of course, um, uh, mega flips, mega side hops, hessing, all that good stuff is in DDR and you can do it. And so it should be a really fun way to bring competitive bring that competitive feeling to more advanced level players and even if you're not an advanced level player you can still participate in the ddr tourney using the standard rule set no one's going to stop you yeah <laughs> it's you just don't a actually need to do any of those glitches to win you or to finish the seeds you can just do it without them um so yeah right all the seeds are glitchless logic so they're all they can all be done with without any glitches whatsoever. Yeah, for example, I played in a weekly one time for DR and I got second playing standard. Who knew? <laughs> like you, can, <laughs> you can save a lot of time by just playing more to the randomizer than, oh, well, I have to Hess across Hyrule Field or I have to go into Bottom the Well with a chicken with ISG. Like, eh, you don't really have mm -hmm. to. I mean, it, it could be a good play. It could just be complete bait, too. I mean... You have to you have to still play the randomizer too at the same time. So it like the glitches shouldn't scare you off. They're just kind of utility tools um, that you can use to be faster. So I think it's a really cool. It's really cool just having a different rule set period that has some play to it. I mean, rip GGJ, right? Yeah, rip some <laughs> GGJ. Yeah, we barely knew that game and gone. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the qualifiers start from uh, May 30th. Um, so you'll probably have a couple, eh, probably like a week or two uh, when you hear this uh, before those start. So there's uh, asyncs happening. There's races happening uh, for this as well. I believe every DDR weekly is solo until this happens, until the qualifiers yep. happen. So um, a lot of opportunities to practice it. Definitely check it out if you're interested. And I recommend it. I think it's a lot of fun. And you play with players that don't usually play a standard rule set. So um, if you're scared of Marco and Bono, like they might not even play those. So come out, check it out. From what I know, there's going to be a call every Sunday starting from that day. So if that's yeah, wrong, I think it's, it's eight calls, me. one every, I think one per week for eight yeah, weeks on Sundays, right? Yeah. All right, now for the main topic this episode, I guess, I mean, it, every topic's a main topic for me, but um, Random Settings League. Now, if you don't know what this is, it is, well, it's some people call it Rando Rando. Um, some people call it RSL for short, but it is Randomizer. I mean, it's still Ocarina of Time Randomizer, but the settings are random. So we have in place here, weights that there's a percentage chance that all the settings here can be on or off or whatever variation exists so for example the bridge condition can be open vanilla stones medallions dungeons or gold skull tokens and those are an even 16.7 percent between them and that applies to every setting that is in the randomizer outside of a couple of cases Mm. but for the most part, I think this is pretty true overall that 
it's as close to even weights as possible outside of a couple things. So it's like the basic level of uh, explaining this, but um, season three for it is now underway. And we did have a previous episode that uh, I think Zopar joined me for that one. And we talked through how to identify settings for RSL. But today we'll probably be talking through a little bit on how you should route and play RSL, but um, to kind of get us started here, the start date for season three was March 15th and the version freeze is going to be May 15th. So from May 15th on until the end date on June 15th for season three, once, once the version freezes, you know, we're not adding new settings. So, um, what that means is that all the weights will be finalized for, I mean, the weights are already finalized for sure, but um, from that point on, it's basically you're playing a tournament seed for the bracket phase. And to reach the bracket phase at the end of the regular season on June 15th, you need at least three finishes to participate in the bracket. So it's a very open system that we have here, but um, yeah, Chip, take it away. Uh, yes. Yes, I know <laughs> lots about myself. <laughs> I'm totally in the know of everything. I am Not the routing, you on the spot, routing but, uh... king of RSL. <laughs> I once beat Kirox in a rated A-Sync. Fear me. No, no. I, in all seriousness, I'm a, I'm a newcomer to RSL. I'm very much looking forward to hearing... A lot of the discussion between the two of you about routing strategies and stuff, and I will very much have some questions for for you as a newcomer into the Ram Settings League uh, as to how best to to route certain things and generally the the best tactics for uh, you know early game, mid game, late game strategies. Yeah. So um, before we go into the in-game strategies, I want to kind of talk about the pre-game strategies, uh, more specifically your style of note-taking. Uh, I know Emo has a very distinct style of taking notes, <laughs> as most people have probably seen in the RSL results channel before. Just a huge paper of notes with arrows all over the place. I would not be able to follow that, but Emo finds a way. <laughs> Um, but there are many trackers also out there to help you with stuff like overworld ER, indoor ER, mixed pools, all that crazy stuff. And um, shoutouts to Mraxis, who actually put together a custom entrance tracker that is designed specifically for RSL. And you can find that. It'll be probably linked somewhere, right? Yeah, we can add to the description, I think. But yeah, his tracker definitely helps a lot. With stuff like that and i guess to start off um wind conditions for for rsl right so for standard weekly seeds s4 seeds usually you need six medallions right for again it's bosky on uh the light era cutscene is yep. kind of primarily what a lot of players only play in terms of Seed, like competitive seeds, randomizer seeds, just in general, that's the standard. So, right. Um, but in RSL, it, I mean, like I said, uh, 
just for the bridge conditions, I mentioned those, but for the uh, the wind conditions, so Ganon's Bosky, or or other things too, on top of that, but um, largely, you need to get a way opened up to Ganon, and then you need the tools to defeat him. So, kind of base level here, you need bow, you need magic, you need light arrows. That's the bare minimum, right? If you spawn in, in yep. like... I don't know, say you have like a Ganon's Castle spawn and all the items are in Ganon's <laughs> Castle and it's no trials, baby. <laughs> it's just like, okay. No I guess trials, we're doing no it. No key. You have bone, blight arrows, and magic. Oh my god. Imagine. Yeah. I don't think it's possible, but just as an example, um, hypothetically speaking, uh, that, that's the bare minimum. Word on the street is. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like. RSL is really an onion, really, when you think about it. It's got many layers to it. And that's the, that's the middle of it. That's the heart of it. You need magic, light arrows, and bow. Just, we already know. That. That's a fact. But mm -hmm. outside of that, I would well, say the, the main thing. Oh, what was that, Mario? Not, not not all the time you need magic lighters and bow. There is a setting oh. called Triforce Hunt. That's oh. often overlooked. Uh, don't remind which, me. I mean, that's technically, we you don't need any items to finish a Triforce Hunt seed some some of the time. I, I've played a Triforce Hunt. Wait, I've not had any items in one. But we'll talk uh, about Triforce Hunt separately uh, in, in right. a short one. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, and, and most seeds, uh, so that's usually what you need. So um, kind of going out from that, a lot of the time, I would say, I don't know, like roughly 75%. I'm just spitballing here. But uh, trials you're probably going to be on in some form or fashion for RSL. It's not really a shocker when you're like, oh, okay, I can't get the light arrow hint. Great. Um, yeah. A lot of the times if trials are on, lights are going to be hinted, way the hero. Um, not necessarily all the time. You might not have hints, but I would I would say a large majority of the time you're gonna know where they are, or where they could be at that point in the seed. Sometimes it's kind of a hunt to just for light arrows for go mode, and they could be in a lot of different places. But um, I mean that's that's fine. It, you'll find them eventually. It's part but, of the RSL experience in a way. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, trials are a thing. So usually that's not something that's on for normal quote unquote seeds and almost so, never. <laughs> yeah, almost never. Um, so you need to know what the item requirements are for all these trials. And it it's mostly pretty straightforward. It's stuff that you would have for dungeons pretty much already. I would say the biggest things are strength three for light trial. Um, Keys, small keys, are also for light trial. You need both of them uh, to be able to complete that. Outside of that, sometimes you need fire arrows for shadow trial. Sometimes you need a uh, long shot when you don't have hovers access or hovers access when you don't have long shots. Um, hammer is pretty much hard required. Almost, uh, I would say a large majority of seeds you need hammer for specifically. So it's a, a bit of a difference. Um, 
Zunita had to switch in Shadow Trial, Water Trial. It's just really nice to have in general. So I kind of want to just find it in most seeds. But, um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so trials are going to be on. You could have six, you could have one, two, you know, any number of those. But um, outside of trials, you need to gain access to Ganons. So, uh, like I said, it's it's pretty much a even split for bridge condition. So you can have it be open, which is it's already built. You can have it be vanilla, which is spirit and shadow medallions plus light arrows. You can have it be on stones, and uh, it can be one to three medallions. Also, it could be one to six dungeons. I mean, one to nine, I, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then tokens. Between one and one hundred. <laughs> oh yeah, baby. Yeah, it can happen. What's I mean, the we... highest you've seen in terms of tokens that you've raced? Personally, ninety, ninety nine, ninety seven or ninety nine. Ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever raced. No, actually, scratch that. I have remember? raced that one hundred token bridge. Who's that Orlando? It was not. Damn. It was just rolled. It can happen. <laughs> it's really, it, it's pretty unlikely. Incredibly but... unlikely. Yeah. But it has <laughs> happened. And at that point, you want to make sure that you don't have any form of token sanity on, because if that's the case, oh yeah, you're in for like a five or six hour seed, just base the level, rare, right? Over six hour seed, yeah. Yep. Um, but I think for 98 for me, I distinctly remember a seed being 98, um, high night, like low nineties, um, as well. But I also remember, I think three times now we've had 69 skull bridge, not planned. <laughs> and every single time, you know, you know, it's the case, like by the third time, I, I pretty much had a very good idea. That was the case. I didn't reach temple time yet, but in the race room, someone was like, this is not a planned right? This is a, you've rolled this, right? <laughs> And then other people awkwardly like, yeah, LOL, or yeah, question mark. Like, um, and then I go read the pedestal. I'm like, oh, of course. Yeah, sure. But um, yeah, you know, when someone says nice in the race time chat, there's something going on. <laughs> like three hours in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's like the, the big thing. I, I would say the trials, you need... Again, light arrows, bow magic for the most part, most seeds, and you need access to that with bridge. Now, outside of that, it starts to get really interesting, and know, it gets really variable too. So, I don't know if we want to like go through specific setting scenarios or, um, I mean, you can fire away with questions now to keep it pretty free form. Yeah, I mean. I guess the first question I had, and it's the one we have written down, um, but like, based off my experience on RSL, which is really limited, but you know, I'm trying to to play as much as possible. My my first question is, when do you check what your requirements are? Like, let's say you spawn middle of nowhere, you know, it it, it could be ER, might not be ER. When, how hard do you prioritize just trying to find that temple of time to work out what your conditions are? Personally, I feel like it kind of depends on if you start as adult or child. So if you start as adult, 
you know when you find Temple of Time, you're going to be able to know the wind conditions. And that's a huge priority, is knowing what you need to beat the game. Because if you can already access Ganons and there's no trials, like that shifts your playstyle so significantly compared to knowing, oh, it's nine dungeon bridge, I have to do everything, you know? And if you start as a child, it might be closed door of time and you just won't be able to know the conditions anyways. So it really depends on all of the other settings involved, I'd say. Maybe Emo can elaborate on that a bit more too. Yeah, I think one of the first steps you should take if you're playing an RSLC, if you're brand new to it, just pause the game. It, it sounds weird, but just pause the game at the very start of a seed. I think that's a totally reasonable approach because this way you can check your um, dunge- like dungeon info screen, right? You don't usually check this in standard seeds. Um, I mean, unless you like blaze through the pedestal check and then you press A on just the, the pause screen. It'll show you a list of your dungeons and a list of each medallion and stone associated with them, right? Now, sometimes you start with this info in RSL, depending on the pedestal info, um, map compass info, what what those settings are. So if you start with map compass or and they give info, or maybe maps compasses and info are off, um, some combination of that, right? Uh, sometimes you just know certain things for sure when you do pause like this. So, uh, for instance, it'll show you whether there's any Master Quest dungeons, just straight up. Uh, it'll be like kind of a thicker window. And it, like it'll, it's pretty noticeable. Like it'll just be way thinner if there's no MQ. And there's like, there's basically something like a big word missing, like normal. It'll say normal or MQ. Yeah. Um, so that's like the dead getaway for that, which is something that's really good to know, especially if you're not very confident with Master Quest and it, you just want like, I don't know, maybe you're trying to like specifically practice Master Quest and you roll a seed, like a solo seed and you pause and you check it and it's all normal dungeons. Hey, you could just go grab, uh, another one right (laughs) and it's if if you want to practice master quest specifically so um but not only that you can know if vanilla keys are on uh like if you have spirit mq and it's vanilla keys you'll have three small keys in your inventory because of random randomizer shenanigans because spirit Um, temple key logic it's really bad (laughs) long story (laughs) short uh so you kind of need that to uh do anything in there but it's a it's an identifier, but um, and just knowing which dungeons or which medallions or stones is important enough. But I think mainly you want to know if it's MQ. You want to know if I don't know. You just gain a little bit of info that way, and it, it's a really easy thing to do at the very start of the seed. Now, it depends on where the seed plops you, right? In Hyrule, yeah. I think I agree with Mario. It depends on whether you're adult or child, depending on what you want to be doing. But um, like base level, it it really does depend where it puts you. And the biggest thing I think for new players is whether or not entrance randomizer is on. So if you're put into Kakariko, you should run into a building first thing. (laughs) That's what I would do. And if it's indoor 
entrance randomizer, you know straight away. And if it's not, it's not. That's that's great. It's going to be a lot less complex that way. But um, like checking your entrances just in general. So overworld entrances, grottos, dungeons. That's all really good info to have. Um, you can know if Master Quest is on or off by just walking in, sometimes not even seeing anything. Just There's some audio cues you can have for like Bomb the Well. Um, you can hear a spider versus well, a redead. Yeah, DC, the, the bats, you can hear them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, most of the other ones are visual too. They're very easy to define. <laughs> yeah, Jabu is uh, pretty visual. <laughs> when you yeah. walk in there, you know it's MQ, all right. Fire, you just walk straight into a firewall. <laughs> it's like my number one tip is just walking. Just walk places, man. Just see things. Like <laughs> Knowledge is power in RSL. It yeah. sure is. Like if you don't see any key locks in a, in a dungeon when you walk into it, like oh my god, like go to your dungeons to see. Like rush GTG. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to know where that is for sure because you can just do the whole maze for free, which is so many checks. That's what right. eight, nine. Like it's crazy. Um, and if <laughs> if keys aren't on, I mean, it's just your dungeons are that much better. They're almost twice as better as uh, a normal seed that you'd be playing. That's not RSL. So, um, yeah, just knowing where you are on the map and knowing what your options even are. Um, I think, I think is like the number one priority. So like knowing where temple of time is, but if you don't know if entrance randomizer is on, um, you don't have the whole picture there. So you could be making a lot of bad decisions early on and you don't even know it. I think one thing to definitely keep in mind as well is just find your ocarina or find the Kokiri Forest Lostwoods Bridge like loading zone. If it's not overworld ER, I recommend just going straight there. I mean, obviously, it depends on where you start. If you start in Gerudo Valley, maybe it won't be the thing you go to first. But ideally, Ocarina is not shuffled. You can just get an Ocarina, and maybe you start with a couple songs that just uh, make your route ten times better because you have an Ocarina. And at the very start of the seed, it's... It's on or off for randomized spawns. And we've already seen randomized spawns in the community for a while, I would say, like last six months at the very minimum. Uh, Season four really kind of introduced that to the mainstream. But Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's literally a 50-50. So if you start in Temple of Time, great. You can read Pedestal. You can know your wind conditions just straight away. Sometimes, sometimes uh, the info is just on. Well, I guess actually, no. The uh, the wind condition will always be on pedestal. <laughs> so there is a setting that's turned off that's called, I think, misc hints. And uh, yeah, since. yeah, we don't we don't mess with that because <laughs> I think season one or just before season one is when we introduced the pedestal hints for the for the wind cons. So before yeah, that's then, why we play on Roman's branch. That was that was the first yep. reason why we actually played on Roman's branch is to get that information about the Ganesbosky and uh, Rainbow Bridge. It's just too valuable to give up in like not playing Dev at that time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so it, it it just it's transformative and how it plays out. It's like, it makes it playable basically. Cause like before yeah. then, like we were just doing like, 
Um, uh, do you want to play at the sea that has random price scrubs and all dungeons for Ganon's boss key and overworld well, ER? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, before RSL was even a thing, we did this, right? Oh, like, yeah, uh, right. We just like, oh, you want to do this shit? It's just, like, random, yeah. it's just <laughs> do a random handful of settings. Call it sure, a day. sure, yeah. So um, variety settings, gang. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, it, it, we morph from that into like, oh, why don't we just randomize the settings? That's just an easier way of doing it, right? Like if we're just playing mm-hmm. all these wide variety of settings, and yeah, that's that's the it's base the reason. Step. Yep, exactly. So um, it's kind of a good. I think a good way to kind of prep for RSL if you're kind of just getting into it. Um, just uh, I've seen like Pappy Grant do this a lot in standard race planning in the Discord. Like just okay, we're gonna be playing standard today, except the uh, dungeon key sanity and overworld ER and w- maybe one other thing. Like it's oh, okay, okay, sure. Like some of Pappy's race rooms just read like absolute horror shows. You're like, hey, you want, <laughs> you want to run this uh, dun- songs on dungeon rewards? Blah 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 blah. I'm just like fuck. No, <laughs> not even the slightest. Like maybe not if today. Came, if that came up on an RSL seed, I'd be screaming, but I'd do it. But my god, yeah, yeah, exactly. Of voluntarily, says, so like, "Oh no, no, no way! Don't do it." Yeah, it's an extreme example, but like, if you like, uh, just getting into Master Quest, for example. I mean, Sly and I, we've done this many times. Play either S four or weeklies. Just flip the switch. MQs is all on, right? So you have to do. MQ, Deku, DC, Job, everything. So I think it's a great way to prepare for that specifically. Or like Overworld ER, uh, if you're not comfortable with that. Just any entrance randomizer, I think, is a great way of doing that as well. Kind of getting comfortable with that. And then you can add in the sauce, the the salt of um, other settings that make it interesting. So um, The spices. Yeah, the spice. (laughs) But definitely, like, base level, when you start a seed, like, definitely, I would say, pause, know where you are, know what your entrances are, know, like, the base tools you're working with, right? That Yeah, you, you got to figure around. out your settings first. Yep. That's the, number, that's like, really the first the hour. Thing. The first hour, even. That's all you're doing is, oh, is this setting yeah. on? Oh, okay. Go to the next area, basically. Mm-hmm. And you have things like Mido's. You have things like, oh... Kakariko, Kakuri Forest, Market. Those three areas are really, really important in RSL. I would say those are the areas that you should probably be wanting to go to the most. Um, yeah, mostly 90% because of the time you want to rush those areas. Yeah. There's just so much information you can get from just those three areas, really. Exactly. Like song checks are great. I mean, that's that share is a big similarity with like weekly settings. Like you just want to be doing song checks for the first hour. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I would approach it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, that, uh, I guess I guess the answer is that there was a lot of information to um, sort of absorb there, but ultimately, as I think to to summarize, as you mentioned, uh, knowledge is power. So you know, chase chase the most knowledgeable areas, uh, and yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, I do have more questions, but I want you to sort of go into a few more of the topics and sayings before I ask them, because it will just make more sense in context. Okay. So, assuming you know where Temple of Time is, how much do you prioritize checking bridge BK conditions? Well, I mean, you'll know that pretty much straight away. Um, And if you've met the bridge condition, 
but not the BK condition, how soon do you check to see what trials are on? Uh, pretty, I would say immediately, right? Like you just yes. log into Ganon's and that, I mean, because it's your win condition, but you could take this a lot of different ways, but um, I think a big one is closed door of time, honestly. Uh, I really enjoy closed door of time just as a setting. It, it plays really differently depending on what's on and off, but first of all, you need to know if Song Sanity is on. Um, either on dungeon reward songs or just anywhere, or maybe the songs aren't randomized at all, or maybe you start with Song of Time. Um, I think it's really important. Um, if you start as child or adult, it kind of impacts it a little bit in terms of what areas you want to do. Again, you want to go to Kakariko, you want to go to Kakuri, you want to go to Market as soon as possible. I mean, Close to Our Time is an interesting one because... If Song Sanity is on and you're a child, your main priority, like number one priority above everything else, is finding an ocarina and finding Song of Time so you can go adult. Because most of your seed is as an adult. Like 90% of the time. Unless it's something dumb like Triforce Hunt. I mean, you can but always you have the case of like... want to find Song of Time. Yeah. Yeah, you can always have the case of like the majority of the seed actually is child for like two or three hours. You go adult, you read the pedestal and it says, um, free bridge and Ganon's boss key is in the tower or it's unlocked or it's dungeon only or overworld only. Like it, it really varies in terms of, of length and kind of play style in terms of like what happens there. But this plays into the wind conditions kind of, because you want to find Ocarina and Song of Time not only to just go adult and gain access to more of the Siege, but to know what you need to beat the game. Because if you don't go adult immediately and your win conditions is, like Emo said, open bridge and boss key removed, you could just be done and you've been doing other child stuff for a needless amount of time. Yeah, I would say... Um, I think the... like play experience of RSL seeds is very goal-driven for the most part. So, of course, you, you want to know what your win condition is, but it's very, like, step-oriented, right? So if you don't have Ocarina, you have to go find Ocarina, usually, most seeds. And if you start yeah. with, like, four or five songs, you definitely want to go find it. Oh, um, yeah. So let's say that Ocarina is randomized, and it's not at the loading zone where it usually is. Now, there's two Ocarinas in the game. Ocarina and Ocarina of Time. So you have two shots at it. A lot of the time, it's going to be an Ocarina locked Ocarina anyway, so mm -hmm. it's not necessarily relevant. Um, but for the most part, yeah, you're going to be very goal-oriented. You're going to be looking for a couple things. Now, depending on what settings are on, that goal changes. So yeah, sometimes you need to find Temple of Time. Sometimes you need to find that Song of Time. Sometimes you need to find, like, you, you when you read the win condition specifically at the start of the sea, like, Temple of Time start is fairly likely. Um, if random spawns off, then you're definitely going to be starting there if you're adult. 25% like chance. Yeah, exactly. I, I wanted to say 25%. I just didn't know that <laughs> for a fact. Yeah, uh, random Mario, spawns off and start as adult. Yeah, Mario's the odds master here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now, 
yeah it's just, so like if you read it it's like Ganis Bosky is 69 gold skull tokens i mean <laughs> better start you, collecting <laughs> yeah you gotta know if your tokens are randomized and then if they're not then eh, you can probably put that off for a while depending on what the bridge condition is if it's an easy bridge condition then you might want to make that a bigger priority if it's yeah. skull sanity and an easy bridge condition you're it's going to be a slog but it's depending on if it's dungeon only or overworld or both it just kind of ratchets it up a little bit um now if it's a hard bridge condition like just all dungeons or maybe a high skull count for bridge um those are kind of two diametrically opposed things like a like a 50 skull bridge you want to be like doing that as soon as possible like even more than if it's ganon's bosky i i think right for, and, a, and an easy uh bridge condition because if you unless you have it hinted to you and what if your hints are off then oh my god <laughs> you're just like panic mode um uh, yeah it could be an hour it could be six hours from now that you get to ganon's and just really knowing it's all about the info really so yeah um another interesting situation is like if it's overworld er you might not have even found hyrule castle or ganon's castle at that point and you might have the stuff you need to open the bridge and you yeah. just need to find it <laughs> and it's just now it turns into okay is it connected to another one-ended entrance and i need to find a warp song or is there just some random loading zone I haven't checked? Mm-hmm. There's just a bunch of different kind of goals that you could be looking for. There's definitely some settings that kind of take overseeds, for lack of a better term. So some things that come to mind. on boss rewards is the big one for that, right? Uh, the songs on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, songs Dungeons on Dungeon Rewards. That's, that's the name for it. All right, you've completed <laughs> Shadow. Now you get to go to Spirits. <laughs> go through this door. You take the blue warp mm. and it goes to MQ Spirit. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the songs on Dungeon Rewards. That's like one of the newer settings that was introduced last season. And boy, does that add like two hours to a seed, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Almost every time, um, any Dun- entrance randomizer. Oh, what, what was that? Dungeon only key sanity is another big one. Oh yeah, <laughs> probably probably the I would say the largest number of racers would probably agree that it's the worst setting. Yeah, it's one of the worst settings. Uh, one of them, at, at the very least. Um, you just have to go back and forth between all your dungeons finding keys for all the other ones yeah i always thought that like normal key sanity it used to be like a bad setting for me and then like (laughs) this new (laughs) hell was unleashed and i was like oh okay (laughs) well maybe that wasn't so bad uh yeah any entrance randomizer is just takes over seeds completely overworld more than the knots i would say indoor er isn't that bad honestly no it's, it's really not um one of the newer ones that was introduced this season as well is mixed pools. And I think it's actually easier than overworlds. Um, like if you only had overworld in the seed, because you're pretty much just going through doors. It's like door percent. You're just 
He's just 1%, yeah. Yeah, like, okay, I'll take the CAC entrance entrance and Sagrado. Um, okay, I guess I could just ignore that forever now. Cool. And, and your yeah. speed becomes a lot smaller as a result. That's one settings combination I've yet to been, uh, I've yet to play with is mixed pools and overworld ER. So I don't have any opinions on that yet, but. Oh, it's so good. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> cause I've, I've played the, like the mixed, like preset that what the hell is. And I, we, we played a lot of it sure. in yeah. the past few months, but, um, definitely recommend it. I don't have the, uh, I don't have the specifics on that uh, offhand right now, but um, definitely something to play around with. Um, it, it's just really unique as an experience. Um, and kind of mm-hmm. just getting around the the map, Randoms, random songs is really a big impact on, on seeds. If you start with like two warp songs and it takes like maybe an hour or two to get Ocarina, just knowing that those are random songs, it's going to change your whole routing, I think. Kind of the same yeah, way that mixed pools that does. Um, yeah, it's tied kind of into random spawn points too, I would say. But um, some other like kind of big settings that kind of take over seeds. Uh, again, like closed door of time is a huge one. Right. Especially paired with uh, songs on dungeon rewards. Sometimes you have to do child DC. For Song of Time, or or for Zeal that unlocks Song of Time somewhere else, or something like, like in that. The well, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, I, I think the biggest one that we haven't even talked about yet: all locations reachable on or off. Oh. So. Yeah. Probably the biggest departure from most racing environments this setting is almost 100 percent guaranteed beyond so weeklies s4 what have you uh multi-world yep. so it's something that's it so it's named all locations reachable it ensures that well it's it's in the name that all locations are reachable at some point in the seed whether now, it be foolish or not yeah. exactly. well, I, guess, I guess just to clear up what you mean by locations i guess it's like it's more all checks obtainable if if that makes right. sense like you can you can get everything everywhere and get everything yeah. yeah it's not like you're expected to go into fire as a child like no 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 no, no not, not actual locations but um yeah checks is like probably a better way to phrase that um so right. if if this is off if you have no experience with this at all, I would say like the number one thing to do is to play really conservatively. Like, don't go out of logic at all <laughs> because you'll just lose hours of time sometimes in, in yeah. terms of like what happens. So, um, kind of to add on to like starting tips for when you first start an RSL seed. Yeah, pausing's great. Knowing where you are on the map is great. But um, first couple hours, I would say just don't go out of logic. Because if if all locations reachable is off, sometimes you will just get locked out of a dungeon because there's mm-hmm. a key locked key. So sometimes you don't get past a forest courtyard or you find out that Bongo has a small key. 
at the end of Shadow. And maybe it's uh, songs on Dungeon Rewards. And you're still looking for song time. You're like, well, shit. Um, <laughs> and like, maybe you got that Dens out of logic and maybe you don't need it at all. Um, you can have the case. This came up in the Discord, I think, discussion channels where you can have a Dens Fire locked in Shadow. That's completely a-okay. It makes, and if that's the only Dens Fire and, you know, all these other conditionals are met where it's like, it's not plentiful item pool. It's not this or that. You can have things locking themselves in places so that it's completely inaccessible. It's completely a-okay. And it, we call this beatable only uh, when this is the case. As it used to be called. Yep. So it, it, the seed only really ensures that you can A, get to Ganon, B, have all the items to beat him. So... Now, what what items those are really depends on the seed. So <laughs> back to the first things we were talking about, really. Yep, exactly. So it could be like, um, yeah, all you need is hook, and then lights, bow, and magic. That's it. But it, it gets more complicated depending on which settings are on and off. So if you have closed door time and it's beatable only, uh, well, songs are going to be pretty important to find, but Definitely, like if you start with Requiem and maybe you start with Ocarina, uh, you just start with Ocarina and you play Requiem and it's not random songs and you're at Colossus and you're like, oh, okay, well, um, I know songs on gender rewards are a thing. So I'm going to reverse Wasteland and go to GTG and card happens to be vanilla and I can go into GTG and I try to get to the middle of GTG and... I find zero small keys. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> well, uh, and then it turns out you're never supposed to cross the bridge to get there. Or you never get long shot in the seed. Right. Th- these are all things that can happen to you. And so, like, you want to be really careful until you know this is on or off. And so a big way to know this is um shops i would say is like a a really a good way to know it because the seed has to give you tunic access otherwise in a shop on the right side yep um also shields i i think are guaranteed as well usually Uh, if it's all locations reachable i'm not sure about that one honestly it might not be is that tunics are reachable Exactly. So in ALR. If you let's say indoor randomizer is on entrance randomizer and you check all of your indoor entrances and you only find one shop and no tunics are there and no tunics are on the left side and no wallets exist in the seed. Well, it might be the people only at that point. Or maybe you're a couple hours in, you're like you're trying to find a couple things to get bridge access or something. And well, man, entrance randomizers on and wow, this is really weird. I've checked every entrance and I can't get to SFM. I can't get to Colossus and I can't get to outside Gans castle. That's weird. So at that point you can pretty much, it's kind of something that you feel out over, over time. I would say you, kind of data collect you you put all this data into your bin right 
yeah. of all the all the settings that are on and off. And so once you know that all of these things are on or off, I mean, you can kind of just come to a conclusion at that point and then it's all good. But it's something that it, it makes it really uh, risky to take risks, if that makes any sense. Like the, yeah. the earlier you take a risk, the, the more it can hurt you and the more it can pay off at the same time. So uh, the more identifiers that you know for beatable only versus all locations reachable, the better off you'll be considering the setting. But it's definitely something that's made me just be a lot more careful in general. I think that can really kind of extend to your standard racing. So your weekly and your, your S4 or whatever season we're on, you know, um, sometimes it's, it is better to stay in logic, but also maybe like you're playing a league setting seed and you're staying in logic the whole time. And it expects you to get a bottle for, uh, bugs for 50 skulls and 50 skulls is a scale for, access to domain which you could have just chicken skipped the whole time like mm-hmm. it's it cuts both ways so the same thing can kind of happen in rsl seeds where if you do stay in logic it can kind of hurt you but once you know if it's uh alr or not i, I think that's when you can kind of just go ham i think alr is just a really hard setting to tell whether it's on or off because the only way to for sure know that alr is off is to see one of those signs like a tunic in a child only shop or a key or no keys in fire or something along those lines there's no way to for sure know it's all locations reachable on you it's something you just kind of get a feel for as you play a bunch of rsl seeds really yeah, it's something that I would say shouldn't you shouldn't be too concerned over for the most part, but a lot of the times there's dead giveaways. I think the easiest setting to know this is entrance randomizer specifically. Like it'll just it'll just lock out areas completely or you'll never find a dungeon or right stuff to that degree. So ah here's a good one. Collapse. <laughs> Collapse is on in random settings league. <laughs> 60% of the time. Um, 60% of the time it's off, I should say. Uh, no, other way around. Oh, no, 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 no. Not my bad. I, I'm bad at <laughs> reading, man. Don't, don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, it's on 40% of the time. <laughs> so, uh, if you're not used to collapse... Um, Basically, it puts you at the start of the Ganon's Tower. I mean, if you played vanilla, you know what it is. But, I mean, there are a lot of people that haven't played vanilla that play randomizer. So Against the um, code of the randomizer. Yeah. Yeah, you start at the top of Ganon Tower, and you have to do a, an escort quest for, for Zelda. And it takes like three or four minutes. And it's kind of a meme at this point. But And if it's Oko, you better bring some fairies. <sighs> yeah, I'm looking at the last rated async and I'm just shaking my head, dude. Like it's it was spoilers by the way if you want to play this, but um I think it was rated async 7 was last week's. Mm-hmm. Not the current one. And 
Yeah, it was one hit KO. So you get hit once, you're dead. <laughs> and you have to go back to where you spawned in whatever area you're in or dungeon, start of the dungeon. Granted, uh, it's or, only a 5% chance to come up. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. It's, there have been some uh, doubts going around the server because of uh, the, the absurd number of seeds with OKO recently. Yeah, but... um. Long story short, I got to collapse. I I didn't know collapse was on. There's no way to tell if collapse is on or off. It you just it kind of happens to you. Yep. And at that point in the seed, it was no trials. I was like, oh great, I can just end this finally. It was like four or five hours, and I was just like, I'm just done with the seed. I just want to get it over with, man. I don't fucking care. And right. I I had like four bottles, and I just passed the fairies. I'm like, no no no, it's just a waste of time. I don't want to waste time. I I want to do well on this one. And, and collapse and, happens, and I'm just like, okay, dude. Um, that was when Emu knew he fucked up. Yeah, exactly. Because there's no <laughs> way to get fairies in collapse. So you just got to keep doing it over and over again until you get the perfect run. Yep. So there's boulders that fall in collapse, those can kill you. Um, just if you hit them, and they're on the ground too. If you hit those, you're dead too. Uh, there's a Stalfos fight. Two Stalfos uh, and a fire ring around Zelda that you can just run into for fun. <laughs> um, there's so many ways to die and collapse. So like OHKO specifically, if that's on, uh, bring some fairies to Ganondorf because you might not need them for that guy, but you might need them for collapse. And if collapse is on and you die to Ganon, this is something that was a feature of early seasons of Randomizer where collapse was not on, but uh, if you did die on Ganon, you had to go through Collapse. So uh, that is a thing when Collapse is on. If you die to Ganon, you have to do the whole thing over again. So it's sure pretty... I'm pretty... I feel like that was fixed. I'm, 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 uh, I don't know. I don't know if it was. It's come up a lot of times, and I don't remember the answer ever. Well, you, you don't want to die on Ganon, right? So yeah, you don't want to find last... out, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you think you're too good for a fairy, think again, because even the top players will get fairies in one kill. Yeah, I've kind of conceded the point of like never getting fairies too. Like even, I like I'm a butthead about it, and I still get them sometimes now. It it really depends on what it is too. Like, uh, Master Quest Fire Trial, for example, is a good one if it's OHKO. Oh, maybe because <laughs> uh, yikes, one. yikes. It's a big departure from the normal fire trial. It's basically a platformer. You jump from like platform to platform and you have to know which ones are which. <laughs> Otherwise, you lose a bunch of time or die. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just a setting that it, it's tricky to navigate OHKO and, and collapse. And seeing them together is like an unholy combo. My personal favorite thing about collapse and one hit KO is the redead that everyone forgets there. Yeah. The yeah. End. And yeah. you're just running along and then you accidentally roll too close to it, it jumps on you and you immediately die. My advice for oh, so that is just mash roll and yep. straight up and you won't get shouted at. Alas. Don't I mean, even try timing your rolls, just mash roll and you won't get shouted at. Yeah, because there's like some amount of lag and collapse, right? So like just mashing there is just straight up better. Is the reason for that? Yeah. So, question then. A couple of questions, I guess. Yeah. Um, question number one. 
is, and this is specifically relating to entrance randomizer. Now, a lot of the uh, times I've been dealing with entrance random, and I guess this is more specific to overworld entrance random than anything, is how thorough you need to be or want to be when dealing with entrance randomizer. Because you could be, you know, you could find Kakariko Village's child and you'd be like, well, Chickens is here and I know it's seven cuckoos. Do I bother? Do I look for something else? Do I farm rupees to, to check these scrubs, even though I, you know, it's like vanilla prices and so on and so forth? Because you can get to a point in entrance rando where you're a couple of screens away and it's like, oh man, it's going to take me forever to get back there. Or you get domained or you get Lake Hylias, shall we say. And that's when that's when you run into an entrance and you get taken into the sort of uh, diving zones of those those places and there's no way back. Or you get potion shopped and you can't go yeah, back that's through the big one. So how how much priority do you give to essentially full clearing the the area you're in when you're doing entrance random? I personally think that it's a good idea to be as thorough as possible the first time you're in an area. Is just do everything that's available to you. It won't hurt other than like maybe losing a few minutes to someone who doesn't be as thorough, but they're taking more risks. It's just a good idea because if you leave something behind and you're not planning on going that direction anytime soon, and like you said, you could get just shut up in um, Zord's River or Lake Hylia or any of those one-way areas, it would just suck to know that you had something there you could have done easily and just left it there forever. The biggest thing for me is how did you get there? So um how deep in the er chain are you so if you let's say spawns your vanilla so you start as child in kakuri forest so right off the bat you don't know if entrance rando is on let's say it's just all on so dungeons grottos overworld indoor they're all randomized but they're separate pools not mixed so you got a lot of entrances to track and and check so Number one thing is, you know, start, it's, it's an onion, it's RSL, so start in the middle. So don't check overworld first, check all the doors. So check every single house in Kakuri Forest. You want to check Mido's and then go in a circle one way or the other, it doesn't matter. And you just, you have to know what all your options are. And if it's a check, or if it's something that's locked behind an item, eh, you just write it down. You just say, Talon's house is at the middle house that looks weird in Kakuri Forest or however you want to like identify it. Um, granted, I use a, a piece of paper and I write things down, so this is how I do it. But um, just knowing the names and being comfortable with that is like a huge part of tracking specifically. So uh, however, whatever program or tracker that you use, make sure you know what everything's called first so that you know what mm-hmm. you're tracking as much as like what you're actually checking. But yeah, you want to start in the middle, so start out all the indoors, and then you have two overworld and one dungeon entrance. So you could check the dungeon in Deku. Uh, well, if you can, if you can, yeah. Sometimes it's closed, and sometimes Kukuri's Horde is either vanilla or it's randomized. So it's it's literally fifty fifty for that. And well, what if you don't have a shield that you start with? Well, I got to go find that too. So your next step is to check one of the two overworld entrances. 
So the Lost Woods uh, from Kakuri Forest, and then the bridge from Kakuri Forest, the, like the main entrance to Kakuri. So you check the, the main entrance, let's say, first, and it leads to Kak from Graveyard. Great. Well, now you have a couple different choices to make. You can either turn around immediately, because you can always go back there. It's really easy to get to. Let's say your uh, bridge to Kakuri is your spawn. So literally, you just head back and then head forward. Now you're back in Kakuri. So then you check the other overworld entrance that usually goes to Lost Woods, and it goes to the lake dive. (laughs) And now you're in the middle of lake. Uh, well, again, now you have a couple different choices. You can either check the lab, you can check child fishing, and you can even check the owl, the grotto, or the overworld exit that usually goes to field. Or you can reset the game, <laughs> save, save and reset, and then just go back to CAC, which is from the main entrance in Kakuri Forest. Because in this way, you're checking way more entrances compared to Lake. And so you're checking all the doors in Kakariko. And then you also have a couple of checks there. You have two more overworld entrances, sometimes one if the gate's closed. And then let's say you go out the main entrance of Kakariko and it goes to Bolero. Or not Bolero, but a crater. Like bottom of crater. Great. As child. So then you just turn around and then you... You can either reset and go back to the lake and check those entrances, or let's say you can go uh, through the gate. The gate's open, and it goes to field. Now, at this point, in, in uh, no, overworlds, yeah, overworld entrance specifically, if, if those are on, field's really good. Like, it's one of the things you want to be finding because it's you're like a huge uh, connector. Oh, you, you don't agree? I... I disagree. Really? I whenever I find Hyrule Field in Overworld ER, I just turn around right away. I do not want to explore Hyrule Field at all because there will be other entrances that you go through that'll lead you to different parts of Hyrule Field. So it'll just save you back walking through Hyrule Field most of the time. There's obviously some cases where Hyrule Field's your only option. Then in those cases, I'm you have to go there, obviously. But I'm a big fan of not even touching Hyrule Field until, like, <laughs> you've gone through all your other entrances. Yeah, I, I can get that, too. I mean, again, it depends on the seed that you're playing. So let's say if you needed money and your field CAC entrance from uh, from CAC, so it's vanilla... Well, right. you might want to go to Chains and then go through Market because it's time-dependent. If you're a child, mm-hmm. it could be something that you might that wait always on time to be Temple of Time entrance. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's... Again, you want to be approaching it with all the settings you've seen up to that point in mind because it's really going to inform your decisions because, like, like Mario's saying, like, sometimes you can just turn around, but if it's your only entrance and it leads to field... You're you're getting railroaded and you have to do it. So, but it's a huge area. It's it can save you a lot of time skipping it. But at the same time, it's it's a lot of entrances. And if it's mixed pools, for example, and you you have explosives already, and it's the first time you're seeing field, eh, you might want to check it. It leads to a lot of different things. Your dungeons could be there, for example, in grottos. 
um, or in overworld entrances. So uh, it's really just, um, it's like a series of really small decisions that you're making with entrance rando. So as long as you know which decisions you have available to you and you're tracking it correctly and you know what, what the map looks like, then, then you can start to kind of break down these like small decisions and kind of go forward through the seed like that. For sure. Hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. So I guess related to this then, and mm-hmm. I know you've got a lot of experience in this field. Um, note-taking. Now, as, as a new player to RSL, you know, I find a lot of the information that comes across me early days, and I'm not sure if this is the same for both of you, it's quite overwhelming. I find that the first 10 to 15 minutes of my, my seed, I won't move much. I'll just be writing a shit ton down, and I'll be you know, right. fiddling with my tracker, and I'll make sure all the settings are right on there, and so that I'm, I'm prepped to write notes. But then I feel, oh, man, I've just wasted loads of time writing notes, and I'm going to waste loads more time writing notes, and blah, blah, blah. And I just feel immediately that, you know, depending on how much information I have and how much I have to write down and note down is essentially just a big loss, potentially. Now, how much note-taking do you, I, I guess, just to, to, to frame this differently, what do you try and commit to memory versus what you write down? Okay. Uh, for me, way back when we first started to do random settings league races, I used to have a sheet of paper. I I actually still have it. Um, I I just have a yellow sheet of paper with every single possible setting written down, and all of the possible variations of that setting. Now this probably won't work now because there's way too many settings now <laughs> to fit on one piece of paper. But I would just go through the seed. I would circle all of the settings that I see, like on, off, on, off, and then just reuse it for the next race. But after a while, you get used to like knowing what kind of settings you're on. So stuff like Skull Sanity, Scrub Sanity, Cow Sanity, Shop Sanity, all that kind of stuff, I would just commit to memory after a while, after I stopped using the paper. Because it's relatively easy stuff, and you're going to be checking those often enough so you're not going to be forgetting about them, right? Yeah, that's fair. And then stuff like Entrance Rando, you're going to have... Ideally, you're going to have an entrance rando tracker that'll be doing the work for you. So, yeah, I don't know how Emo takes their notes on um, on all that kind of stuff, but that's how I do it. Yeah, so... Um... Oh, another thing I forgot to mention. I always write down the wind condition. Yes. I just can't not write down the win condition. It's just something at it's the so corner of my page. I always look at it. Just make sure you do not forget the what main you goal. <laughs> what you need you can, to do. You can fall down so many rabbit holes in RSL. Like, oh, like this entrance goes to here. And this is so many checks. Oh, my God. Just like, um, you can just go to Gannon's and win the game now. But, you know, yeah. you know, just do you. I've been um, in that boat before where yeah. I... <laughs> been doing all this stuff have. and out of the blue wait i'm in go mode <laughs> what am i finishes and you're like oh no i could have been done it's like right what a throw um 
Yeah, I take note taking. I'm a pretty like compulsive note taker, I would say. So uh, even for just I'm looking at a standard like weekly seed, right? So like I got the paper in front of me here. And just base level, this is what I take notes on for like weekly settings. I do all the song locations and what's there, what all the meds are, all my way the hero hints, my barons, 30, 40, 50, big round frogs, two skull mask, your sometimes hints. And then uh, like far on the left side, I'll write down every single item and where I found it. And then if entrance randomizers on, I write indoor entrances to the right of where I write down my items. So Talon's house, uh, lab, cows. I, I think writing down where cows are is a really undervalued strat because you don't want to look through your Twitch VOD. You don't want to resort to that because right. that loses so much time. When like you could just be writing down where a cow is or a skull is and you can't check it. Say you don't have bomb bag or hook or bow or slingshot or boomerang or anything mm -hmm. useful to check it. It's pretty important to know where that is, especially if it's any kind of entrance rando. So that, that's what I do like right next to all the items that I find. Now, for RSL specifically, get to this piece of paper. Um, next to all the song locations, I write down all the dungeon locations, just in case dungeon ER is on. And then all the warp songs, in case those are random, because I won't remember those. There's no way I remember that in a who knows how many settings are on kind of a seed, right? So mm -hmm. just to know what my options are. So like, if I'm like, oh, okay, Belair is actually Nocturne and Serenade's actually Minuet. Like, that's even more of a case where I would have to write it down because I'm so programmed to say, oh, I'm going to SFM, I play Minuet, boom. And then like, if I do that in RSL, it's like, you're in back of Lamon, congrats. Like, he just lost 30 <laughs> seconds. So, you know. Um, that's the main reason why I do it. It's just really to be careful and know where, know the logic really know if it's beatable only because depending on where you find items and like the implications behind that, where your tunics are, if you find them, where your shops are, um, it really kind of adds to all this info that you get because knowledge is power. So the more knowledge that you write down that you keep track of, the, I think the better off you're going to be. So, as long as it doesn't slow you down to a big enough degree, uh, I would say is the big tipping point. So as long as you're not like spending five minutes literally writing down what you're doing as you're doing yeah. it or something yeah. to that degree, then, then you're fine because pretty much every RSL player is going to lose time to note taking and tracking. It's just a reality that we, that we live in. Like very, very few people, if any, actually go through a seed like pause lists, like, just fluidly like no one does that like you can not it's one thing to say atz can do uh stand or used to do standard seeds uh with no notes and just pretty much no pauses plan everything as he went and that's great marco can do the same thing a lot of top players can do the same thing but for rsl you just can't do that it's just not <laughs> depending on there's what's on going and yeah there's exactly so to make sure you don't like go insane or can do more than one seed in a day or 
every couple days even it really depends on your tolerance for it but i think just to be careful i I think it's a really good idea to take as many notes as possible Mm -hmm. as much as you need so if you're mario and you know where the cows are by heart and you know cow sanity's on you might not need to do it but um the newer you are to it i think the more reliant on notes you should be because it's really going to inform your decisions. It's really going to inform like what you can even do in a seed and what kind of options you have. And, and that's how you route RSL is you find out what the settings are. You find out what the possibilities are, what your win cons are, and then you have to kind of just formulate a plan on the fly. So I think that's a big reason why people enjoy the format, right? So... One one other thing here is I write down the owls, I write down the spawns. Uh, ten slots for sometimes or useful like peculiarities about seeds. So um, maybe an entrance, maybe trials, that sort of thing. If I go to the Ganons and I see fire, water, and light are on, I'll write it down every single time. Uh, it kind of yeah, goes I into like the wind writing cons. down the trials too. Yeah, or just it's part like, of the wind condition too. Like, yep. you always want to write those down. And then, like, like, at a certain point in the seed, too, I will write down what I know I have to have to complete the seed. And I, I do this in standard sometimes, too. But, like, oh, okay. So, those three trials are on. So, I need strength one, two, three, like, hammer, lights, bow, magic, whatever else I think I need. And then, once I find new info, oh, I need letter because uh, fires and ice or whatever so like yeah so now i have a letter locked fire oh great oh now i need that too so um or i mean you can king sora skip and an rsl too but um just as an example like so i also write down kind of like mario was saying uh all the relevant settings that can be on that kind of inform your decisions so for me i write down a lot of the base ones uh er I abbreviate it to like O, I, G, and uh, D. And then I'll write down uh, my dungeon list like, okay, blanks at Deku, blanks at Fire, etc. So um, it, it goes, I have it laid out in a specific order of impact to seeds too. So like my order right now is Deku, Dora Time, Fountain, Bridge, Triforce Hunts. <laughs> uh in a pretty specific order, but then it gets down to like the bottom. The bottom of the list, by the way, is pose, chickens, damage, time of the day, scarecrow song. Uh, CSMC yeah. is the new one I added on the list, and then those are things that I just don't even bother writing down whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like for me, I'm I'm a more visual person, so mm-hmm. if I see the setting circled and I just like, oh wait, is the uh, oh yeah. Shops are on, right? So I have to go find the shop because I haven't found them all yet or, or something like that. Um, yeah. it, I just find it more helpful than not for me, but it really depends on what you need as a player. So uh, the yeah. newer you are, the, the more I would recommend doing pretty much everything you're writing down because the time loss that you have is is not going to matter depending on, you know, compared to like how much info you're gaining and knowing about the seed, because everyone loses time to notes and tracking. But 
Um, you don't want to make a bad decision because you don't know something or forgot something's on, though. That, it's going to lose you way more time than pausing for five seconds or whatever. Because, like, I watch live races all the time for RSL, and many times, especially if it's like any entrance rando, if it's in queue, and you're like looking up a tutorial video on how to do a Master Quest dungeon. <laughs> Like you'll have players just sit there for 30 seconds. Just, yeah, it's a thing. Uh, sometimes you go to the bathroom in RSL because the seat's so long. So like, there's a lot of time loss that just kind of is consequential like that. So I wouldn't even be worried about that if I were you. I mean, Hey, last seed, I, I watched an episode of Taskmaster and ate some food. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess you're not worried. <laughs> so, you know, there's, no, I mean, I guess like acing's are different as opposed to being in a, an actual race and stuff. Right, so right. It's, it's more in that that environment of oh my god, I'm against people. It's not, it's a live race, and you know what what am I doing if I'm spending too much time just writing? But no, that that all makes sense. Like it's it for me who has a reasonable memory. You know, I'm 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 somewhat of a smooth brain, but there's a couple of lumps and bumps. Um, you know, I do like to write as much down as I can with, with the odd exception of things I think I'll remember. And I don't mind if I get a warp song wrong every now and then because it takes me to the wrong places. So, ah, it's fine. I'll just play the other one. But like, Yeah, warp songs are actually things that I write down almost all the time just because it's really good to know like what your options are. If they're shuffled, at least. It's also a huge um, kind of giveaway for beatable only versus all locations reachable sometimes because oh, yeah. the game has to give you access to certain areas at certain ages. So Trader as child, Warp Song, and Nocturne Pad as adult. Yep. So like those if you big ones. if you don't have those, for example, at all, and you found all six Warp Songs, congrats, it's beatable only, <laughs> and now you can play the seed differently. Um, so uh, just as an example, but my list has changed on like, in terms of like what I've tracked and what I haven't tracked as I like progress as an RSL player. Right. So like Mm -hmm. what I started out with tracking is not the same and not even in the same order or configuration on my piece of paper as to when I started versus now. So, and I think that should be the case for most players. Like as you grow as a player, you're going to not care about certain things and you're going to care about other things a lot more depending on what you know you're good at and what you're, what you're bad at. So that just comes with time. Definitely. All right. So one last question and then I'm out of questions. And this is a really specific one, but it has actually come up across. Um, I've been really curious about this a few times. Now, as, as I say, it's quite specific. How much time or when do you check Gerudo Bridge? Because obviously sometimes the bridge can just be open, right? Even though you don't have the Gerudo card, and even though you might still sure. have to rescue a carpenter, the bridge mm-hmm. might still just be open. For Gerudo? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, when do I check that? Yeah, because obviously that can give you... Uh, I'm thinking of non-ER, because obviously with ER, you're just going to check it as soon as you get that area. But right. if in non-ER, it's a bit out of the way, Gerudo Valley. It's not the best place to go to. But it you know, it potentially gives you access to a dungeon or to to some other areas and some more checks. So when when, if at all, do you give any sort of precedent to go into check to that bridge? 
Well, if you think of it this way, Gerudo Fortress is open 33% of the time. And if it's open, you start with the card if it's not shuffled. So the only way you're not going to have information on the Gerudo Bridge before you get there and it's relevant, this being it's open and you don't have the card, is when Gerudo card is shuffled and the bridge is open, which would be a combined one in six chance, making it pretty much unlikely. It's about as unlikely as Triforce Hunt, really. So, personally, I don't like to give it attention at all. Like, if you see in your inventory that you have the Gerudo card, then boom, you know the bridge is down, and that can influence your routing. But if you don't have the card, there's only a 1 in 3 chance that it's actually open bridge. So I think that plays a lot. In, the odds of it being open plays a lot into, like, do you actually go and check it or not? Mm. Yeah, it depends on what else you have available to you in terms of your, like, your routing. So if you run out of big areas and you're down to one-off checks in the overworld, you could consider it. It depends on what your win con is and what you're missing as far as like what your next goal that you're working towards. So mm-hmm. if you're working towards Ocarina and like, well, it's getting a little sketchy. I only have a bomb bag this entire seed. And I can, let's say, check the Cat Grotto, check the South Field Grotto. And maybe one thing in the dongles. Oh, shoot, I forgot that too. Oh, um, well, at that point, it's a little bit more palatable, but right. I think it's usually pretty context dependent. And like kind of Mario was saying, it's pretty low odds that Bridge is just built already without card. If you start with card, I think it's a little bit more reasonable, especially if you have like a Paponas or um, again, like you're kind of running out of checks. It's not really a high priority target, especially if the ER is off. But I mean, it has its place. It really depends on what else you have available, though. It's not really about the bridge, necessarily. I would put more emphasis on it if Dungeon ER is on. Because if Dungeon ER is on, that might be um, a dungeon that you'd want to do. Like, more so than GTG. So, I think it might be more... I don't know if more likely, but I would think of it more if beatable only is a thing and not all locations reachable. Because if, if a seed is so small that it's kind of pushing you towards there, you'll know more often than not pretty soon into a seed that you need to go there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh, I'm out of questions. For now. There's only a couple of things I want to touch on here, but uh, the main thing is Triforce Hunt. We haven't talked about that at all. Um, we do even need to talk about it. It's Triforce Hunt. It's Triforce Hunt, <laughs> So the main idea behind it, in case you don't know, is you don't kill a Ganon. That's not a thing in Triforce Hunt. Again, it's a one in six chance that it's on. So if it is on, you have to find Triforce pieces. And this is something that was introduced quite a few months ago, but um, really it, it took its um, its wings in season two, I want to say. not Like season one, it wasn't a thing, right? Or was it? 
Yeah, I think it was added midway through one of the seasons. Right. But and we changed it originally to I don't think it was always with, originally it was 50-50. Yeah, that was way too much. That was <laughs> insane. Couple and weeks then go we by. Finally decided, okay, this should be the same odds as uh any other Ganon's boss key requirement because it basically replaces that. And now that's what it is. Yep. And it's pretty palatable that way too. Like it more because of how it plays out. So the number of Triforce pieces doesn't really matter. It almost always takes about three hours for Triforce on, assuming a couple things aren't or are on. The biggest thing that impacts Triforce Hunt is your item pool. This is also something that we haven't really talked too much about. It's really not mm-hmm. too much to say, but it impacts the number of Triforce pieces that are in a seed. So baseline, it's um, if you have balanced pool, it's what, one and a half times yep. the number that you need so that are in the seed. So if, if you, you have 40 pieces required, then there's 60 in the seed. Yep. And so it scales with the item pool. So the smaller the item pool, the less, the fewer that are in the seed and kind of the worse it gets. But thankfully you can't have minimal. Uh, We disabled minimal Triforce Hunt for um, pretty good reasons. There was a good portion of time that it was a possible setting and you'd have to find every single Triforce piece in the world. (laughs) Yeah, no matter the number. It could be one, could be 99. Like it's just terrible, or more. <laughs> like, it's funny though that you've you've limited Triforce Hunt so that it can't be minimal, but you've still got the potential for one hundred Skull Bridge. Yep. Which is essentially the same thing. <laughs> uh, if it's it if, plays, if, it, if the it skulls are shuff- if the skulls are shuffled, it's the same thing. Not necessarily, like. If it's for bridge for your skull hunt for like let's say it's hundred skull bridge or hundred skull Gansboski. So for bridge, it definitely plays out differently because the seed doesn't end once you get the target. Now you get to know if trials are on. And so it's worse. Like, basically it's worse. <laughs> it's, it's it's not worse, but because if dungeons if dungeon skulls or overworld skulls or both, if those are off. It's definitely way better because now it's just a routing question. You can definitely route around that versus like, okay, there might be two pieces here for Triforce Hunt and there could be 10 in this other area, but you have no way of knowing that Um, outside of the not way of the heroes, the path of golds, which pretty much are the same thing. They just lead to areas that have Triforce pieces, right? They lead um, to areas that have items that lead yeah. to Triforce pieces. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a little <laughs> convoluted, but I mean, it's... Doesn't necessarily lead to any Triforce pieces directly. Right. And it might not it be that many actually. either. It's not like it guarantees you a certain number. Like, it could just be like, right. oh, it's a bottle that... For it's, one piece. Yeah. yeah, it's a bottle that leads to your bomb bag, that leads to a hookshot, that leads to one piece. Here. Yep. <laughs> and that's why it's hard. <laughs> uh okay but like if you have a way to hero hint it's oh it's long shot for you know a dungeon like a whole area that you need to complete or maybe it's like unlocking the entire seed like a hook shot or a bomb bag or something like that like it's a hundred percent guaranteed to be needed usually yep. so it's 
a pretty stark difference between the two. And um, if it's 100 skull boss key, it's it's pretty much a slow burn. It, it's kind of the same thing, but you got to take into account 100 skull boss key is a one in 100 chance. Yep. Yep. And exactly. minimal Triforce Hunt, when Triforce Hunt was on, was like 20%. It's it way higher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So imagine a 25 piece and you have to find all 25 and it's all ER and it's key sanity too. And uh, it's AD or something like that. I don't know. Like <laughs> for, for bridge. So like, it's just really bad competitive wise and playing wise. <laughs> yeah. Cause if it's all dungeons for bridge too, on top of that, let's say 10 pieces are in Ganon's. Well, and it's mental. Now you have to do all dungeons and you have to go there and get them all. Yep. So it's do everything the seed. Not yep. like every other RSL race is that, but it's a question of sequencing though, right? So <laughs> it, you can route around it. You can, you can play it differently, but a lot of different reasons why that's off. But, and yeah, if, if you have more than balanced, like plentiful, it's just straight up double. So uh, if your goal is 50, there's 100 pieces. Just yep. straight up. So it that's probably the more fun version, but it's still like not super Certain great. people say that it's not as fun, but, you know. Yeah, well, because it, it comes down to, especially if like chest size matches contents, right? You have, you see so many big chests, and almost every time there's not an item, there's just a Triforce piece in there. Yeah. Like it's it's a different kind of hell, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's the main reason why we reduce Triforce Hunt for the most part and disable minimal, but um, for the most part, it's just kind of a go for density for the most part. There's a few logical implications here and there, but for the most part, it's a pretty stress-free kind of a situation, I think, as far as RSL goes. Yeah. So just kind of touching on... Um, I mean, we have the leaderboard, right? Um, that you can check out and you can see who's qualified and your current place on the leaderboard will uh, convert at the end of the season to your seeding. So, uh, again, the cutoff date for that for season three is June 15th. That is when the seeds are locked in. You need at least three finishes to participate in season three brackets. Um, and the version freeze again is May 15th. So at the point of you hearing this, it very likely is the case. No new settings will be added. So you can, any race that you join from now on will be tournament settings uh, for the next bracket phase. So, um, but again, you can check out a leaderboard there. We have the link handy and it's pinned in uh, the RSL. I think announcements and discussion, it's pinned somewhere there, but. I just want to touch a bit upon um, something I've been kind of building up as far as like current standings for placings. Now, so getting into the discussion here of specific players and kind of the evolution of this season and how RSL is going. So I think pretty, I think it's pretty obvious the, the front runner right now is Timmy. <laughs> um, right. Can you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I agree. Timmy is definitely a very, very, very strong player when it comes to RSL. Yep. So a lot of the top finishers and people that at, at the top of the leaderboard here, in general, their forfeit rates are very low. 
So you lose a lot of points by forfeiting because you tie for last place. So, um, yeah, don't forfeit races if you want points, basically. <laughs> but, out of, you know, he has 16 races completed the season. And he has seven of those were firsts. It's the most out of anybody currently. And this, this is as of May 4th, by the way. So I'm a little outdated in terms of races, by maybe a couple. But um, combined first, second, and third, he has 13 out of 16 races total. And he only forfeited once this season. So far and away, definitely the best player. I think the best improved player from last season is Kirox. Um, just a really strong European player. No forfeits yet. 20 races completed this season. I think that is one of the highest numbers uh, yeah, amongst racers right now. Yeah, uh, I think right now... Highest with yeah, 29. 29. Can't believe it. So many. And then Melrose, not too far behind, 21. Um, few more forfeits, though. So, but I mean, really, just compared to last season, it's man, he's improved a lot over a very short amount of time, just a couple months. I mean, out of those, he has four firsts, seven seconds, and one of these third, I guess no thirds yet, but I mean, still that's an 11 out of 11 races. That's so eight thirds coming first and second, right? Yeah. 50, 50 on whether or not he gets first, second, third in the race. That's pretty <laughs> strong. And also Melrose. I mean, he's um, kind of a newcomer for RSL, but he's really been putting up results as of late. And I mean, he has combined nine first, second and thirds out of, what was it? 21. Yeah. 21 races. So, I mean, you can definitely improve uh, if you want to, if you want to in RSL. It's um, it takes a lot of work though, and it's <laughs> the variance yep. is super high. So like, I know for me and and Mario, we've kind of taken a break from RSL for the most part in the last few weeks. Yeah, a little um, bit. I've just kind of been playing rated the rated asyncs um, just so I can keep my points up to snuff a little bit. But um, there's like a couple weekend period where i was just playing like i don't know six a week or something like that and uh yeah, six a week is it's a lot it's a lot. even that's if a, it's that's at least three one hit ko's a week it's four hour <laughs> average that's about 30 hours per week of just rando that you're playing of only oh, rsl that's a part-time so. job in rsl yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I think it's good to mention that like you should take your time, be patient with random settings because it's really easy to fall into the trap of like kind of damaging your mental health. Like if you play too much and just don't get burned out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real threat. I mean, we have all these settings running around and all these possibilities. And if you perform really badly in one race, you just want to run it back and oh, okay. Now it's an eight hour seed. Great. <laughs> so I think it's important to know that, even if you want to improve, even if you want to place well and get points, um, just take care of yourself, everyone. It's that's the most important thing here. But um, kind of looking at the list here, um, I'm also not doing too badly, and uh, Mr. Mario is not too far behind Timmy. Number of firsts, I have only three, but I have a combined seven for a second and third, and a couple of we have like some newcomers this season too um, that have been doing pretty well. J Bone. 
Hamsda, Flufloosh, so C-Flare as well. It's been learning at a really high pace. And a lot of, of course, standard... Chip Van Reef here is also... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How can I forget Chimp? I mean, it's my buddy. And hey, um, I beat Kirox once. <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> a fact. I'm, I'm no going to hold on to that forever. No one can take that away from you. I mean, you beat Marco once in standard, right? No, I didn't. I've never beat Marco. Oh. Close. Close. Well, I did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like it's, and I'm talking up Timmy and Mario, but I've beaten both of them this season already, too. So, I mean, amateurs. <laughs> they're not impossible to beat. They're humans, but I no mean, one's impossible to beat, especially in RSL where everything is a coin flip. <laughs> yeah i mean this season is definitely a lot i mean it keeps getting more competitive each season so like i do see like a kind of the idea being thrown about sometimes that rsl is not as competitive but really uh i think the results speak kind of for themselves so it's it's i think it's a competitive format that has legs but it's um very highly variable for sure but like just looking at the number of points for example between so what fifth and ninth here just as an example punch it into my calculator that is only 228 points between five places at the top of the leaderboard here which for for reference if you do really well in a race you can get it between 100 and 200 points on average so that's a couple races away from just jumping ahead five places so i mean it's not locked in until another month or so here so even if you do start and it turns out you're pretty uh, pretty good at RSL, you can definitely climb the rankings and uh, put yourself in a good position for brackets. So oh, yeah. uh, if you haven't tried it and you and you want to, definitely just just jump into it, man. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, that'll do it for this week of the podcast. Thank you very much to Mr. Mario7788 for joining us for episode 25. Uh, great time. Uh, I really enjoyed your insights into RSL, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. All three of us now part of that group. So oh, we yeah. to see how we get on over the next coming month or two until the uh, brackets start, which I'm excited. I, I think we've all now qualified for those, right? So that's uh, yes. all guaranteed a uh, bracket spot, which is excellent. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, thank you to, for having me. No problem. Um, thank you to Ronan Recordings and Winnie Demon, as ever, as our backroom staff wizards that we cannot possibly do without. Uh, and thank you to my co-host Emo Soda for again being an absolute champion and having a blast with me on this episode of the Gossip Stone podcast. And we will see you all next time. Bye.